Sludge Lords. So I, I feel like I should just start with this costume. There's been a lot of conflict surrounding the No Jumper building lately. <laughs> we need a sensei. You need a sensei. You need somebody to teach you all how to use violence appropriately. That's one thing. Or just not use it. This is for my own protection. You know, if there's a fight, if House Phone wants to jump me outside in the parking lot one day, I just want to be ready with a That might intensify things. Did you ever talk to him, though? I apologize. But did he respond? No. <laughs> so, just I mean, you have to be, like, on. the least, the most guiltless in that saga. And I'm not trying to get into it. I'm just sure, saying that, like, sure. holding you accountable seems kind of silly. It's, it's, and I've apologized to House Phone. I, I wish him the best. I hope him and I can hug it out one day. But this is actually, you know who I had in mind today, Adam? Just like any random Japanese person who does martial arts? I actually kicked the shit out of an old sushi chef on the way here. Kicked him? Like, I assume you came in your car. I did, I did. Okay. That's a lie. <laughs> but I was thinking about, because I just... I'm back in jujitsu. Okay, my staff infection is cleared up. My back is no longer injured. How long do you have to take off for the staff infection? Well, I, I was out from that for about a month. And a then I got month? busy with work. Wow. It was a serious staff infection, buddy. I gave it to my girlfriend. I gave it to my girlfriend. Where'd she get it? it, it uh, right by her. Really? And there was some debate as to whether or not it was actually staff. It might have been a, a yeast infection or something, or just, or just she might have been orgasming or coming. Chlamydia. As they say. Oh, yeah, there's that thing. Chlamydia. Yeah, but staph infection, like, for the people who've never had it, it basically will be, like, I've had it in many places, but, like, let's say it's on your knee. It looks like a little pimple. Then, you know, a few hours go by, a day goes by, you start to feel like, maybe this isn't just a little pimple exactly. on my leg. Maybe this, exactly. is, maybe this is getting hard around it, and mm. maybe this is actually a problem. And then at a certain point, hopefully soon, you will go to the doctor, and the doctor will say you have a stab infection. They give you antibiotics. And then you're stuck for like a couple of days of kind of like like squeezing it and making the excess goop come out of it. Oh, I wish I would have gotten that fun. Really? Yeah, mine was goopless. Oh, so you, you probably took the antibiotics fast enough that you didn't get much goop. Mine looked more like a ringworm. It was very circular. Who knows? Maybe it was ringworm. See, my experience having ringworm was just literally a red circle right here. And then you got I, it and, all, huh? And it started to get bigger. This was all during my jiu-jitsu era it, of my life. Whichever gym you were training at, whichever dojo should be condemned. Well, You shouldn't, upon your first couple of weeks training, get every infection and worm under the sun. I trained there for nearly a year, but I definitely got probably like at least two or three staph infections and ringworm once. Did you get mad herpes? I never got... Wait, really? You can get herpes from You can the get mat? mat herpes. How mad would you be? If I got mat herpes? Yeah. I, like you're supposed to get herpes because you were having too much fun. Jiu-jitsu yeah. is like supposed to be like hard work that's good for you. It's you not know, supposed to be super fun. I, I don't know if it's got the same stigma and the same... Uh, I don't know if it behaves the same as regular herpes, meaning I don't know if it's for life. Right. It might be like a shorthand. It might not be the actual scientific term. It might just be like a cousin of herpes. You know, there's mm. like HSV1 and 2. Maybe this is HSV13 and it just shows up on your abdomen for a little bit then goes away. Did your girl mad at you because you gave her this... Terrible affliction. She brings it up a lot. <laughs> my girl would be pissed. Too, she yeah. brings it up a lot. But hey, you know, I uh, then I got busy with work. Then I injured my back jogging, of all things. And are you really done with jogging? I'm done. Nice. Jogging and I are no more. I hate, I hate jogging, so I'm glad to hear somebody else not doing it. You know, I I liked it. The thing I like about jogging is it's, it's the people's exercise. Mm. It, it, you show me anybody. I don't care how fat 
and how poor they are, there's no excuse for them not to throw on a pair of trainers and go around the block. Tons of excuses. There's no excuse for that. If you're overweight or if you're like a big person, if you have back injuries, if you have almost any kind of health injuries, running is like one of the most taxing things on your body. If you go to a doctor, a huge percentage of people, your doctor is going to tell you don't run. It's bad for your body. Instead, you should do you should walk on the treadmill you should walk you should maybe do like a light jog you should lift weights a lot of doc like i've been to the doctor and had them tell me you need to stop running your back is not suited to be a 250 pound guy who's running listen around. to me listen to me dude you got to work your way up okay that's true that's saying like if a guy comes to me and he weighs 220 pounds and he's a big wad of dough and he's like oh my back my knees i'll be like listen to me Go to the local high school, find a track that's got the squishy stuff on top, oh, and run. Bro, there are no tracks that are going to let just a random guy in their in his 30s go there and just run oh, yeah. amongst the children. Oh, yeah. Cast Although, But where I grew up, I'm pretty sure, like, when I think about it, you like, my dad would go run at the track while there were, like, football games going on. Like, yeah. while there was soccer games, whatever the kind of sports they were doing, my dad's 50 years old, and he would go there. He didn't. It wasn't like looked down upon or like it was weird. There, but out here, I feel like you're not getting to the track inside of a high school while there are students present. or yeah. and, and when the students are not present, it's locked up for the most part. I say find a way in, okay? If you really want to lose weight. I mean, your health is on the line here. Your life is on the but line. I'm just saying that like, and I'm only familiar with that because of so many years riding BMX bikes and everything. But the average person who wants to jog is not going to hop a couple of fences into Torrance High so that they can go fucking run a few laps okay which we would gladly do to go grind the 15 stair not, not me but other people people who are gnarly okay yeah. go on a sunday if that doesn't work go find a nice uh, grassy park to run around in circles in it's just the, everybody's got an excuse for they can't do this they can't mm. do that it's it's like the military okay you're sleeping in a bunk with 26 other cadets uh showering naked and shitting in front of people until you earn your chevrons and then you're a lieutenant mm. and then once you're a lieutenant you can get the peloton bike okay you can get the rowing machine until then lose the weight get down to a bmi that doesn't make me want to throw up upon seeing you <laughs> that's my instruction but adam the reason i brought up this whole thing is because now that i'm back in jujitsu i feel like i gotta call out a certain jason ellis <laughs> because I've been in there. I've been working my crab rides to Barambolo. So you can't stop thinking about him. I've been working my Osoto Garis to because hip bump sweeps. Transsexual healing ended up being quite a bit bigger of a deal than bisexual healing. You know the Jason Ellis episode. I'll, I'll a take classic on, that you guys all need to revisit if you want to see some uncomfortable communication between it, Danny and him. Check out uh, bisexual healing with Jason Ellis. But if Gracie Jane wants to throw down on the mats, bring her on. You know, bring I her feel on. like you're not going to give up if she taps. It just <laughs> if she taps, if she taps, you you're think not I want? You think I want to strangle? Squeeze it a little harder. You think you're saying right now publicly Crush that, a ventricle. that I want to choke a transgendered woman unconscious? This specific one, I wouldn't really. I, I would say it's a different situation. You know, I think there are probably a lot of people in this office who probably want to do that. But did you ever settle a vendetta in the jujitsu class? You ever like mad at somebody so you like? Do something a little different, you know? Don't let go of the arm bar and mm. rip their arm to shreds. There are those situations. There are always a couple douchebags. Okay. Just like there are around the office. There are always situations <laughs> where it goes a little bit after the bell. Yeah. You're kicking each other and shoving each other off after the bell. Uh -huh. You try to minimize that because 
that's you get hurt with people like that. They slam out of a submission instead right. of using proper technique. I don't think I ever told you the story. Maybe I did. Stop me if I did. But I, I trained jujitsu for the first time in Texas in 2000, 2008, probably. And I didn't even know what it was. Like, I didn't even know that, like, this was the stuff that people do to get ready for the UFC. And mm. I didn't even know what jujitsu was, right? Like, it's just I had a friend who was, like, quite good. He might have been a purple belt at the time. And he took me to his class and had me train. And so, like, you know, if they're demonstrating how to, you know, uh, get somebody into the mount, this is my first time ever hearing the word mount. So uh -huh. I have no idea what I'm doing. The training partner tries to get in. You're like, hey, watch it, homo. No, and so they, they pair me up with some dude, and we start training or whatever. And and he has, like, some actual, um, you know, skill. Like, he knows what the fuck is going on. We're both white belts. But, you know, he he got me into a rear naked choke and, and squeezed. Yeah. And I tapped. Uh-huh. And I didn't think it was a big deal because I'm in a martial arts class. Yeah. He's like... Yes, oh, yeah, no, he's no, no. so hyped. Oh, and no. up until that moment, I'm thinking we're just training. Like mm -hmm. it's not like a, it's not gonna be a big deal if I if I tap out. I had, I had no pride associated with it because I had never done this before. And then I realized in that moment that this guy was overjoyed. And to be fair, if you were to see us side by side, I'm pretty sure I was like a full head taller than him. So like it probably really to him he felt like oh he choked out this like big guy. Jujitsu really works. Look at this big tall guy. I just choked him out. And uh, I, I guess that probably was a part of what made me pursue jujitsu for a period of time too, was just the fact that it just felt like, you know, oh, like I have to sort of get revenge on this guy. You have to redeem yourself. Yeah. Was there ever a showdown? I only went to that class once, I think. Okay. That doesn't seem like a very good uh, atmosphere to be training Brazilian jiu-jitsu in. That would be like if every time I said something mildly amusing on this podcast, I went, yes, <laughs> fuck yeah, Mikey, that was funny, right, Sid? Thumbs up? Oh, yeah! But Big views! I get it, though, because it's like you, you start doing jiu-jitsu, and the whole idea is like you're a small guy, and you're going to be able to choke out a big guy. Yeah, that's, that is... I mean, it seems kind of like unrealistic at a certain point especially because most of the big guys you're training against are not only stronger than you but maybe like more experienced as well oh yeah he had finally met a guy who was kind of big had tattoos mm -hmm. but was not experienced in any way yeah. it was actually a total mark in the situation jiu-jitsu egos can get you in trouble i had a sensei for a brief period of time who got fired from the gym for an incident involving ego like that really fired that, fired. that must have been pretty bad very bad he so, injured someone? There was a guy who trained there who fought MMA. I actually brought him up on the Gracie Jane podcast. Mm. Poppies Martinez. He's a member of the Tachi Nation, a Native American fighter. And he trained up at Team Alpha Male, where I trained Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu too. Well, one day he was training with our instructor. By the way, let's find the date that we're going to go to the gym together or whatever, because I'm trying to get back into it. I'm not fucking around. Anytime, Let's man. set a date. I'm going to welcome you in, though. I Let's mean, go. I'm going to hit you with a drop, say, Nagi. I'm going to pass your guard real quick with a knee cut, and then I'm going to hit that bread cutter choke. Put the lights out, baby. What's the thing where you, like, squeeze the their bicep and make it feel like it's going to explode? I think that's street jujitsu. There, there's something that one of them showed me one time. It was, like, a... a, a a thing that made me tap out instantly where they kind of like had their leg here and they're squeezing and bicep it made, slicer it made me feel like my bicep was about to rip in half which okay. is not something i'd ever felt before that's a bicep slicer okay that actually is a legit submission okay. this instructor though this guy uh he was very brazilian and like almost all brazilians this is something you'll notice with them like uh, maybe all rappers have face tattoos all brazilians have been at some point in their life hit by a truck 
It's real. They've all been hit by a truck, and he had a mangled foot. And he'd walk in and be like, okay, everybody, we train at the jiu-jitsu. You must believe in yourselves when you train. Today I train with Papis Martinez here. I show you how it is done. I black belt, he young MMA fighter. Oh, nice boy. He indigenous boy. They roll, and Papis Martinez, Camoras, the Brazilian black belt instructor, Camoras him. And this guy was, the instructor was insane. He would do stuff like if he thought, if you talked about learning a technique from another place. One time I told him I learned an arm bar from Matt Hughes after watching Matt Hughes fight George St. Pierre in the UFC. The teacher was like, oh man, Danny, you come, you tell me this crap about you watching this fucking guy on the UFC. Meanwhile, I black belt, bro. I cure a Tiba state champion. You ask me for technique. So that's how egotistical this guy was. Poppy's Kimura's him. This guy doesn't say much. He goes home. He's brooding about it for a couple days. He comes in a few days later in the week, and he says, Poppies, I have a something for you here. He's got a gi. The reason he wants this guy, Poppies, to put on a gi is because the guy, the black belt, has a crippled foot and is not as fast in no gi. He needs to be able to control the guy. Poppies is like, okay, yeah, sure, I'll put this on. Now we train. Now I get my revenge. The Poppies dude should have never have rolled with this crazy guy. Obviously, this wasn't going to go well. But in this gi that Poppies has been forced to don, the black belt instructor chokes him. Poppies is tapping uncontrollably. The, re- the instructor refuses to honor the tap and just chokes him unconscious. Yeah, that's fucked up. In front of, like, a bunch of 10-year-old kids <sighs> and, like, a 45-year-old attorney who's you just trying do to do... That's fucked. Insane. Insane. Like, imagine if... That would be, like, almost equivalent to you walking in here and just putting Mike in a headlock until he lost consciousness. Or it would be like doing a podcast where you just stand up and beat the shit out of the other person, which yeah. happens all the time on November <laughs> now. So. Oh, yeah, it's not that taboo, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, no, but definitely that that's that's crazy. No, because I've been thinking about this a lot, and I hate to like bore the people out there with jujitsu talk. Hopefully that they can see how this relates to the the overall world, and this isn't like a deep deep jujitsu conversation, right? But when I would go to jujitsu, I would always see a bunch of like I don't know four year olds like training like in the class right before mine, and um, you know sometimes it would just look kind of stupid. Like they're they're four, they have so little body strength, they have so little like ability to understand technique, but I've been thinking about lately, like my kid, we got her in ballet and we were like talking about all these different things that we want to put her in. And I feel like my girl does not see self-defense as being like near the top of the pyramid of importance, which I understand because realistically, the likelihood of you getting into a brawl with someone on the street is very, very low. But let's be real. Women are the victims in like essentially every physical uh, situation that plays out. Like a guy's always going to be bigger than you. But I have personally been in the situation in jujitsu class where the instructor, the first day I came in, said, "Hey, you're gonna you're gonna go against my wife," and then his wife proceeded to choke me out in like 20 seconds. Mm-hmm. And you know, I had zero technique, and mm-hmm. she had a ton of technique that made up for the fact that I literally weighed twice as much as her. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I feel like there's a level of self-confidence that if you're a woman and you're sufficient at a martial art like jujitsu, you're going to have a degree of self-confidence that other people aren't going to or other women aren't going to. And I think that that's really important because throughout your life, you're going to be in so many situations where Mm -hmm. you could potentially be victimized. And Mm -hmm. if you have some degree of like physical understanding, I feel like that's very important, more so probably than ballet. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. You'll never be forced to dance to protect your honor. It's, you know, it's, there are tales in North Vietnam, in the Vietnam War, of uh, Viet Cong women posing as civilians, having grenades up their vaginas, and then wandering into gatherings of American GIs. I bet a lot of those GIs wish they knew jujitsu at times like that. It really would have saved them. (laughs) The thing, though, is if you're a girl who's good at jujitsu, it's, Almost as surprising as the North Vietnamese chick with a grenade up her twat. Yeah. Just because the guy will be like, oh, hell yeah, free sex right now. Consent's <laughs> not required. Consent not required. And then the next thing he knows, he's in a traditional cross-collar choke and the lights are going out. Right. And it's it doesn't take much. I would say a girl who's a blue belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu is effectively unrapeable, especially if the guy doesn't know she's a But are there tales of this? Because I feel like if this is true, that it has to have, like, actually happened a lot throughout history. But are there tales of, like, women fighting off their rapists, like, using jujitsu? Because I feel like it it has to be relatively rare or we would hear about it all the time, right? Mm -hmm. uh, It would be a pretty good feel-good piece in the L.A. Times, right? Yeah. Uh, But I'm telling you that when I rolled with the... The sensei's fucking whatever. The 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 guy at the jujitsu place's wife and she choked me out right away. I mean, I feel like the average dude would have a hell of a time trying to rape her. She was strong as fuck and the technique <laughs> was insane. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah, like yeah. so I, I feel like maybe you do have to be really, really, really good at it. Or you could just carry a weapon. Like like is it immoral for me to like just teach my kid about carrying, you know, weapons I think at mace, a young age? Mace might be the most underrated device. Or what about sword? A sword is illegal, right? See, the problem with swords, not very portable, Adam. You can't bring them on an airplane. For not really instance. adaptable to the modern climate where no one carries swords. Yeah, it's exactly. You're conspicuous if you walk into the bakery or the farmer's market right. with a katana. On I think your every woman should be carrying weapons, and especially small, defenseless women. Dude, pepper spray. Because if you if you disembowel somebody right. with a samurai sword, there are going to be legal repercussions. Yeah. Especially if you were like, oh, I thought he was going to rape me. Turns out he was just complimenting my shoes. If you've got <laughs> mace. <laughs> yeah, just, what? <laughs> but if you've got mace and you hose somebody down, yeah. it's fucking all good. Yeah. Like, you can just deny it. Like, if, if the cops show up and like, hey, he said his eyes really itch and you maced him, just be like, mace? What's that? There's a, like, hip-hop personality that you certainly don't know about named Charleston White. Very, very controversial guy. Has tons of crazy-ass opinions. And uh, soldier, he has talked shit about Soldier Boy previously, and Soldier Boy and his crew attempted to like approach him in Miami. And he's an old guy, and he's very small, and I think he's disabled in some way. Basically, he's like not involved in the Charleston guy. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's not involved. In, White or black guy? Black guy. Okay. I'm pretty sure he's not involved in combat in any way. He's from yeah. Texas. So Soldier Boy and his guys approach him, and so and Charleston White just hits the big fucking pepper spray cloud. And I don't know, I, I, like, I heard he was alone, like, no security, like, him and, like, two people hanging out in Miami for Rolling Loud, which is, like, big hip-hop festival, and this happened, and, I mean, it's pretty unbelievable that, because I, I, we had never had to really consider that, like, is it pussy to spray a big cloud of mace? I never never thought about it, really. If you're a rapper, and you make your bones talking shit about other sets, and then <laughs> spitting bars that are critical of that other right. set in the studio, I do think it's a little feminine to uh i mean that's like basically blowing a rape whistle mm. i mean it's it's in the same league as blowing a rape whistle similar category yeah but soldier boy i mean his name does have the word soldier 
in it. A soldier of. should be able to sustain multiple blasts of pepper spray to the face and continue onward. It should have been something that was covered in basic training. Yeah. So definitely. he should be used to that. No excuses for soldier boy. Soldier boy. Or um, his posse. I would like to say this at this point in the podcast. So some people may have noticed that the thumbnail changed on the most recent Sledge Lords episode before mm. this, and there was a bit of an edit. Mm. I am prone to speaking off the cuff and uh, just really saying whatever the fuck is going through my brain and sometimes not really considering what the repercussions of it might have been. Sure. I had a conversation about something that Lana Rhodes had uh, said in private to somebody that I know about me. Mm -hmm. And in my brain, when I heard that, that just basically, or, or when it came up on the podcast, it caused me to just basically wow the fuck out. And I really, in that moment, did not consider the fact that well, I completely forgotten about it. Didn't know about the fact that my girl has a relationship of sorts with Lana. They talk about mom shit or whatever. And uh, I guess my girl wasn't as bothered by the shit talk as I was. You know, mm. myself, I hear about somebody talking shit about me. It's like, oh, I'm going to fucking go off on him on a podcast. Yeah. I was being ignorant of the fact that I have a business relationship with my girl now. And even yeah. though Lana Rhodes is basically like totally out of porn there are still ways in which my girl has to, you know, interact with her. And she was super bummed and upset that I did that. Cause like part of kind of like the agreement in the porn thing with me and my girl is just that we don't really talk shit about other girls. We don't get involved in the messiness or the drama or anything like that. And so I just basically was saying shit that I shouldn't have said. So I ended up deleting it. My apology is less so to Lana because, you know, essentially nearly everything I said there was accurate and, some of it might yeah. have been quite rude, but I was you gonna know. say it doesn't sound like you're exactly apologizing. No, yeah, I'm not really apologizing to her so much as my girl because I kind of really went outside the sure. boundaries of things that we consider acceptable in our relationship, which I felt kind of bad about. And what really sucked is that I went on this fucking poker live stream at the Hustler Casino, posted that TikTok and reel immediately before I went into play the game and they take your phone away for five six hours and then I get my phone back and it's like, oh, my girl's uh, fucking furious at me uh, for. So, yeah. And I want to take this time to apologize to my girl because I did find and masturbate to the video of Lana drinking a bowl of piss. So, hey, you know. Well, I haven't done that. Well, you're missing out. I just wanted to out, at least exonerate my girl uh -huh. uh, from having anything to do with this. Oh, because Lana Rhodes blocked her on Instagram right after. Sure, sure. Yeah. So that's the point you're trying to get across here, that Lena had nothing to do with the attack against Lana. Right. And you know, it's not that I don't really believe the things I was saying. I was just being kind of mean about it. And, you know, it's like this is Hollywood shit is our in industry shit is that you will hear about somebody attacking you in private to someone else. And then you're supposed to just kind of ignore it. Or at the very least, you're not supposed to go on a podcast and air out the details. of mm -hmm. it. But, you know, I, I figured I should at least say that. Yeah, no, it's good. And I told you, too, that uh, now that I'm back in wow, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, that was it's pretty rare that people say anything about the channel to me, which is nice. I don't really <laughs> right. want to talk about work when I'm there. But this one dude who's like a very successful finance guy, like a well-to-do Asian man who drives a $70,000 Tesla, he cut me up and he was like, hey, man, I really like your stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah. Hey, you see the border video? Yeah. Most liberal college is like, nah, I saw you sitting on a couch while Adam 22 talked shit about Lana Rhodes. And I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, I was a real artist in that segment. It's weird that that was so viral for like the six hours that it was up. I'm kind of glad. I'm glad you were playing poker, you know, more exposure. It's yeah. Uh, if I had kept it up, that would have been probably better. But then I would have. I, I just like as soon as I realized that my girl was upset over it, I just went into like full on 
you know, recovery mode and just like deleted everything. You know, dude, we are. I'm a pussy. I know. I feel bad that like we talked on the podcast and then I had to edit it. You don't have to apologize. I should have made that call beforehand, dude. You know, you did, yeah, you were apologizing to me about that as if I was gonna be like, no, Adam Twenty Two is once again sacrificed <laughs> the artistic integrity of our podcast. They are meant to be consumed in their entirety. Well, that's the, the one good thing about this being live is that we or not, not being live. live is that we feel comfortable really kind of going off the chain and saying whatever. Whereas yeah. when you're live, you feel like a little bit more like you want to. Be careful, but then when we do it here, it's like, oh, we could edit it afterwards. So we could yeah. always go a little too far and then pull it back afterwards. This place has been a real beehive of controversy the last couple months, hasn't it been? Yeah. It's And you know what I was listening to? I uh, I got into Elton John recently, and I found that old duet he did with Eminem, the Stan one. And I was listening to... What, like on uh, on some award show or something? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was beautiful. But then Eminem had that song, Without Me, that really big hit, like, two trailer park girls go around the outside. Oh, Dude, yeah. in that... So I guess I looked it up on Wikipedia, and the way that that guy dealt with hate, I guess Moby had a bone to pick with Eminem about, like, the homophobia that was nearly constant in all of Eminem's early albums. Moby was like, yeah, he just, his, the way he mistreats gay people and calls them all sorts of horrible slurs, it's just deplorable. There's a line in the song Without Me, which is like a massive top 10 radio hit right. all over the world, platinum single. Uh, and Moby, uh, you 36-year-old bald-headed F-A-G, blow me. You're too old, let go, nobody listens to techno. Yeah, and doesn't he say something about you get fucked up by Obi as an Obi Trice? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. Yeah, I don't know who Obi Trice is. You probably imagine one of uh, Eminem's guys. But like, dude, he just called him a thirty-six-year-old bald-headed fag after getting accused of like, dude, and that was a mainstream song. Yeah, like, the balls and the time that you could get away with stuff like that. Yeah, I miss it because, but but you could do that now. You would just be like Stephen Crowder, or if Actually, you were, no, but he won't even he won't f slur it. He had that shirt that said socialism is for figs that got him in trouble with YouTube. Figs. Because he was going after Carlos Maza. Oh, I remember that. Remember I that blocked beef? by that fucking dude. You, Carlos Maza blocked you? Yeah, I was trashing him so bad. He's pretty whack, Because he, he, and remember, what, what was the thing that he was doing that I hated him so much for? He was just taking, oh, he was like taking a stand about YouTube ads, I think, or something like that, like, or, or about who YouTube was monetizing mm -hmm. or some shit like that. But then he ended up leaving Vox, I believe, and starting his own, like, YouTube essentially channel. failed YouTube channel, from what I recall. He might be doing well, I don't know. And the crazy thing is, all over his bio, it says, Marxist pig, and like, eat the rich. And I guess it came out that he comes from an insanely wealthy family, mm -hmm. and he just lives off family money. Right. Which, it's really easy to be a socialist when you live off family money. Yeah, it's actually, if everyone had that going for them, then we wouldn't really really have any issues with uh you know poverty or hunger or anything yeah or class warfare don't breed unless you've got rich parents exactly unless that you would solve a lot of problems like uh, like army hammer you know like that guy that's a good family that Dude, we need more of those people you just reminded me that a big ass article came out this weekend where Ar army hammer finally speaks on oh. everything and i didn't read it yet so now i feel like a fucking idiot our timeshare salesman he basically came out you read it I, I've heard the apology. Oh, yeah, fuck. I've, I've heard it. Basically, he came out and he said, uh, I wouldn't change it for the world. This has made me such a better person. I'm more present with my children. I can I can now tend to my dying father. That's what I love. I can tend to my dying father. I'm pretty sure he works at a hotel in like like some random fucking island. He like works at some hotel and is trying to stay low key. And I, 
I don't know if he's around his family or anything, but what if he's just a bellhop? Like, what if he's got one of those little like Abu caps from Aladdin? Just no, those, you don't the little remember this? Cup that sits on his head. He is, I think, like essentially a bellhop. Like he's, he has like a regular ass job at a hotel. I think that he is doing that in order, or he's saying that he's working those jobs in order to gain sympathy. He said he's dead broke in this fucking press release, which reminds me of like the Scott Stapp from Creed. Like I'm penniless, I'm broke, dude. Army Hammer, you made so much money from all your films, from the Lone Ranger down to the Facebook movie, and your family, like, don't fucking lie to me and tell me there aren't 16 trust funds set up. You have a museum named after you in Westwood, the I Hammer it, Museum. I heard it's really not like that. Like, he really doesn't have access to much of the family's money, and you would imagine that, it, given what he's been through, or what he's been accused of, that probably a lot of that family mon money, they're not exactly dying to hand it over to well, him. Well, right? he should start gigoloing, okay? <laughs> I watched the movie American Gigolo this weekend, too. I don't know if that would bring him any closer to his kids and his family. It doesn't matter. He needs some money, it sounds like. <laughs> like Why work in a hotel? Yeah, he needs some fucking Wait, money. What's, what's American Gigolo all about? American Gigolo. Is it Gigolo or Gigolo? I think it's Gigolo. I think it's Jig. Uh, jig? Jig. Yeah, I don't think it's Gig. Gig sounds cool, though. It but is a G. You can do it either way. You know, it's one of those French words, I think, which I say we start purposely mispronouncing all of their words because they're assholes. Yeah. Beau cup instead of Boku. Monsieur instead of Monsieur. I'm not familiar with any of these. Fuck them. Well, you shouldn't be. Listen, <laughs> that's just, that's the only safe thing left. I am French. French. That's the one part of you I don't like. Mm, born how much? frog. How much French? Nearly 50%. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Well, I don't know what to say about you. Uh, I feel almost nothing about it. You feel when I insult the French and uh, when everybody else insults the French? You know what I, I got to find? Like I got to send you is I've seen this map of like Europe or like the overall like left part of Eurasia. And it, <laughs> and every part of it is labeled as like the, like the, the part of that area that is considered white is just like the British people, basically. Mm -hmm. And then everybody else, there's like reasons why they don't get considered white. And when you actually really dig in on the reasons why it is like pretty absurd when you think about this one region of the country where like a certain per percentage of them are considered white and everybody else has like like the italians are, are in that area nobody looks at them as white because the food is too good they really? have like I, cool accents I, I i mean this is a shade of tan because i joked recently in a new video that i found out i'm 25 percent spanish basque and basque is like i mean the basque are like Whatever native Hawaiians are to Americans, the Basque are to Spain. Okay. So I feel like I, you know, arguably am a person of color. But even I think it's bullshit, and I think Italians are fucking white people, okay? Right. We had our time in the sun in the 20th century or whatever, or in the fucking 1800s where Italians coming over were, like, basically black people. Right. But that time's over. It used to be that the Irish people, like, ah, oh, these fucking mics working on the railroad— I mean, we can accept they're all white now, right? Just so you know, I'm, I'm turning the heat down. Remotely? Yeah, I have oh, an app now. The technology. It's I'm beautiful. not really, like, sure how to use it, but I don't it's actually way mind. too... Somebody has it on 73? What the fuck? You're I, supposed I to keep it on anything. 69 in here. I gotta shed a couple pounds for my jiu-jitsu class. Well, I was just assuming you're probably gonna be sweating your ass off in there, yeah. You know, I gotta shed some weight. I gotta cut weight for but, my but, class. I mean, do you feel like the era of white people just accepting that 
society kind of like has created space for them to be shit upon do you think that that's kind of over because now anytime i hear about anybody saying anything anti-white i feel like i i hear so much backlash against it Mm. that it kind of feels like we're in a different era than like 2016 where you could just like easily get on twitter and say like god white people are the worst and get ten thousand likes and everybody would just like not really find it that offensive Uh it feels like the protect the white race movement without being necessarily like called that has kind of like become more of a significant thing. It feels like there's enough white people who are not willing to just be the the punchline in people's jokes anymore, that there's always like a backlash waiting to happen. I think it's also, I think people are starting to get allergic to cheap tweets about like whatever, like Biden's a great president, like white people need to step aside and make room for people of color. Mm. Like those pandering political tweets that are just easy and you know it's safe to say. I think there's more backlash to that because, yeah, we've been getting hit on the head with it for fucking four years, and it's like, all right, dude, we get it. It's a lot harder to get a good tweet off in general. Or, like, you know, it used to be, like, you could just start a clothing company and put a stupid slogan on on your shirt, and it would be, like, a popular shirt. I feel like all the phrases that fit on a shirt enough to, like, be a popular shirt that work well enough to be a popular shirt, I feel like they're all they're all used. It's like, I just don't see it happening that much anymore. And in general, like even with just clothing companies, I just see it being so much more difficult for people to get people excited about clothing that is basically just t-shirts with shit written on it. There's too many people making mm-hmm. merch. There's too many brands. Everybody's got a fucking brand. It's so easy to make shirts. It's and, and even like, I see the results of this with bigger brands too, where even like decently sized brands, they realize how uncool it is to have 20,000 people wearing the same slogan on their shirt. So brands, even significant size brands will make like 100 or 200 of each shirt, but make like 50 fucking shirts in a in a quarter or whatever. And then, you know, th- to them, that's cooler because it's like people don't necessarily realize that they're, you know, it's like each individual one is more rare. I got a marketing idea. Hit me. For on some shit and for the no jumper merch line. Okay. We have normal ads with like regular whatever hot chick models big tits tight asses the works but in the background there's a bunch of children's teddy bears (laughs) dressed up in leather (laughs) and we have books written by roman polanski right populating the desk has that been taken before what happened to that did they balenciaga but did anything ever really like happen you think balenciaga sales went down as a result of that I don't think so, dude. I think there are some crimes that are like, it's like getting a yellow card in soccer. Mm. Like there are, what's a red card? A red card is anything homophobic you tweeted or saying anything racist in public. That's a red card. You're fucking canceled. Right. But doing shit. And also if you're a guy, I guess if you're a guy and you accidentally text a 17 year old like Chris D'Elia, that's a red card. But if you're a massive brand and you pretty much advocate mass child fucking through your ad campaign, that's just a yellow. Or maybe even just like a, a little whistleblower. The thing that makes me assume that Balenciaga hasn't really like seen any sort of serious blowback from that is just that I feel like the people who would potentially be wearing Balenciaga do not overlap at all with the people who are offended by the Balenciaga ads on Twitter. feels like most people who wear Balenciaga, if you're out here buying $1,300 sweaters and shit, 
you're probably not like super clued into the news cycle and paying attention to every single thing that's going on, right? You're probably Chinese. I mean, you probably speak <laughs> Mandarin. Or you're like a Saudi who's just, you live, your dad bought a $30 million property in Beverly Hills. Well, that is, there is his credit card. I noticed at the poker table that there's a lot of that. There's a lot of like people who don't really speak English almost at all mm -hmm. and they're full head to toe in like crazy ass designer. It just seems super fucking cool to them. Oh, yeah. Like, and do you think they give a fuck about the culture wars going on in America? America. You could sit there for three hours and try to explain the Balenciaga thing, and I'm pretty sure they're not going to really like grasp what the fuck you're talking about, bro. What the who fucking cares, bro? <laughs> I mean, they make good shit, bro. I look good in the club, bro. That's literally what my trainer sounds like. That he's Armenian or Middle Eastern? He, he's from Iran. Yeah. What is the most? Because one time before going to sushi with my chick, we went into the real real. What's that? The real real. I, so I think it's and correct me if I'm wrong. These fucking Sater Mike, they probably know they look like some hip fucks, but I'm pretty sure it's like a consignment designer store. Mm. So it's not even full price, but you go in there and there's like a North Face hoodie. It just has the North Face logo. But instead of saying North Face, it says Gucci. And it's a Gucci North Face collaboration. And this hooded sweatshirt will set you back sixteen hundred dollars. The real real. It's called the real real. It's right there on La Brea, like on Restaurant Row. Huh. And uh, like I go in there and I'm getting lightheaded as I look at these price tags. And it's all like, yeah, rich, like the children of like rich Asian businessmen and like Middle Eastern dudes, which more power to them, dude. They're keeping the local economy pumping. This is true. But, but I'm just looking at this and I'm like, how like how desperately insecure do you have to be? to make your entire wardrobe $1,600 t-shirts and hoodies. But I want to hear right now, because I feel like you're a guy who's, I mean, you're doing well with all your businesses. I want to hear about just the most, like, you bought this thingy, and you were like, okay, I'm part of the 1% now. I feel gross for having bought this, but I don't care because it's shiny and I want it. I want to hear about that. In recent memory, no. But You've done something. I bought a grill at one point. I spent $8,000 on grill. You fucking asshole. Wore it like two times, never wore it again. You fucking asshole. But in recent memory, no. I don't, I don't do any of that. Oh, the grill. The grill's bad. We spent way too much on this fucking wedding. That's all I know. What's going on with that? Are you going? I, dude, I'm down. I haven't bought my ticket yet, but I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, Adam. This is, this is a big expedition for a wedding. Italy. Italy, dude. I mean, that's flying over the Atlantic and parts of the Mediterranean. That's two oceans I could possibly crash in in my plane. I am doing it with a kid and then staying for an extra three weeks after the whole wedding and everything. So I'm going to be gone for like a whole month. So I'm going to try to record a bunch of stuff in advance. But, I mean, realistically, it's going to be tough. You know, like how many podcasts can I really do in advance of being gone for a month? It's going to be interesting. But When we're there, you and I should go hit up like uh, one of the museums and like do some content with the David. Like you and I whip our cocks out next to the David. I assume you're going to put out a video like showing Adam22's parents my penis in Italy. How would they take that? I feel like my dad would give it a good look. Nice. Like, I feel like my dad would probably like get put a, his reading glasses on oh. and just sort of like, hmm. Seven deuce off suit. Interesting. <laughs> he doesn't know what that is, but um, I, I could definitely see that. Yeah. Okay. Well, if that would be great right there. I mean, that'd be a start. That's the, the jumping off point for this content. Mm. Again, there's a lot of great art in there. You know, the, the David, it's one of the most famous penises in the world. I know. And my fucking kid, for some reason, we have a magnet of David on my fridge. Uh -huh. And she'll point at it and say, that's Dada. And then she'll sometimes point at the penis and say, pee-pee. 
You and I'm be... like, this is inappropriate. Why do we have this on the fridge? I don't want her knowing about this shit. And also, David, I mean, he's famous for having a small penis, so you should be like, nah, <laughs> nah. this is Dada. <laughs> and you just, you are fully erect. <laughs> no, but throbbing. he has a great body. Oh, it's he's, a great body. He's fucking ripped. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. want to look a little bit more like that. Yeah, he's, I don't know what his but pose is. But why do I have is. a penis on my fridge? I don't want to be thinking about dicks in the morning. It's that happened art. the other day, and she hadn't said anything about that magnet until then. And I was just like, oh, this is... This is not great, but I am because I'm spending so much time drawing my ki- with my kid. I'm I'm planning on searching up tutorials on YouTube. So if anybody has any good drawing tutorials, please tap in. I know I need to get better because I know I'm going to be doing this for like many many years, and I I don't feel like I want my kid to have to like grow up with a shitty artist as a dad. So I'm yeah. trying to like get better in advance of her understanding what's to come yeah yeah. it's like in uh the simpsons marge simpson she just has to stay one piano lesson ahead of her students mm. you just got to stay one drawing lesson ahead of your daughter that makes sense it makes a lot of sense my dad used to blow my mind when he would do sketches because mm. he was a judge and he would be up on the bench just sketching during trials that's what they're doing up there it my dad <laughs> fucked around so much it's maybe the best job in the world <laughs> that's amazing i had no idea it's maybe the best job in the world but he would like blow he would he was like hey son here's mufasa from the lion king and i'd be like lion <laughs> but it was really be, good he would be going into work with like a reference ready to go like he would have like a coloring book full of pictures of mufasa like to pull oh. out and place there so he could then draw it because that is the angle you never get you never see above like what the judge is yeah, doing yeah. he could be doing anything he there. could have been tracing yeah or he could have been playing hangman and he could have given his gay courtroom assistant some papers to draw on mm. and then maybe maybe i was worshiping the artwork of a young gay boy maybe, maybe he, yeah maybe he just had some dude who was like drawing and then he just took claim for it maybe your dad's a fucking total charlatan i called my dad <laughs> once my dad consumes a lot of my content so pause what keep going okay i said pause like as if it was gay okay yeah he uh there was this time when i had like just learned how to jack off (laughs) so fucking fourth grade fifth grade pretty early i was jerking off for almost 10 years before i ever ejaculated but but i called my dad up in the middle of the day when did you ejaculate not until my freshman year of high school so you were what 10 uh 14 14 okay so you but you've been jerking off since you were four no, since probably I was about kindergarten is five, so like probably like nine. I, there was probably five years, four or five years I was jerking off dry. Okay. I remember the first time I jerked, I just fucking raped my pillow one night. I just fucking got on top of my pillow. Just like bodily urges took over and I just humped this thing into submission. Right. And I remember I had the sensation of orgasm for like three minutes, just three straight minutes of orgasm. Right. And like I've never, of course, been able to attain that again. It was the best lay of my life, that that down pillow. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I still think about my first nut. Good Sometimes, one. Good yeah, one. it was like I was creating like a fucking river that was like running down my legs and shit because I didn't have like anything wow. ready to catch it, and it just it's like coming out, it's just coming, it's coming, <laughs> and it's like creating like a pool. <laughs> like I thought it was gonna be like this every time. Like, that, were you jerking off before you could come, or no. was so you jerked off and you? Wow, I like yeah, I was like touching it, but I didn't know that I could actually like orgasm and finish until. I was, I think I was like 14, like you said. Like, I was a bit of a late bloomer. Me too, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, which was kind of weird for me to realize, like, oh, I know people have been doing this, yeah. like, way before, like, years before me, but I didn't figure it out till I was, like, 14. Yeah. And but, but before that, I had multiple, like, crazy wet dreams as well, which this is the thing I wanted to tell you about. So me and Lena had kind of a weird situation on Saturday. So we go to Kazumi's uh, birthday party, right? And, you know, there's a lot of 
hot sex stuff going on. Weird little sex shows. It was an like, orgy at a castle. I mean, they call it an orgy. I didn't see anybody having sex, but there was like a. Didn't Kazumi get fucked on an altar? I didn't stay that late. I was left by like eleven thirty, and I'm pretty sure it was going to like three or four in the morning, right? Probably six or seven. I don't know. Yeah, and so I'm totally sober. So the odds of me like getting into any weird shit there are probably pretty close to zero. Yeah. But um, you know, we leave afterwards, and we're like a little turned on perhaps just from like being around all the girls and everything and, and then we get home but we get home at like midnight and we we go to bed at like slowly my bedtime is decreasing every day like now i've been going to bed 10 30 and shit like last night i went to bed like 10 15 damn dude i woke up at like 7 feeling so good yep. so relaxed i got so much sleep it was incredible yeah but um so after we go to bed at some point, and there's two different like versions of how this may have played out, and I wish I had her on the phone so I could get her version of it, but we ended up hooking up. I think I slept hooked up with her. Like basically, from my memory of how this happened, I was sleeping, and then she like scooted her body into me, and I started like touching her and rubbing her or whatever. She was on a period, so I didn't try to have sex with her, but I ended up like just like Anal. making out with her, sucking her tits, and then just jerking off on her stomach. Oh. And then she, like, I get her toilet paper, whatever. In my mind, gentlemen. it was fine. We went right back to bed after that. Oh. But then the next morning, she was like, so what was that? <laughs> From her perspective, I'm pretty sure, like, I thought she was, like, inviting me. Yeah. To be involved in this yeah. like sexual experience, because in my brain, while I was sleeping, I thought she was like scooting up into me and stuff. In her brain, I think it was kind of the opposite, like where I was like basically like trying to entice her uh -huh. into like hooking up. I'm pretty sure I like damn near beat off in my sleep. Yeah. It. So from her perspective, you mounted her without getting any kind of consent and just finished on her stomach. It was really more from the side. It wasn't so much a mount. You know, I, I do that too. You've done this. It, dude, I do it all the time. And I am kind of creeped out by admitting this because it does sound so unbelievably weird. But I feel like me and her have come to a, some agreement. sort of agreement. And you want to know the really weird thing, too, is that she whipped out her fucking vibrator and uh, finished okay. after this. Well, you can't me, too, my boy Adam over here, if you whip out I don't out the think vibrator. that was her intention. She just thought I was crazy. I do this. So my chick and I do this actually a lot. Like, really? it started off, dude, sometimes it's always around midnight. I just get this uncontrollable boner and this just desire to fuck. So I, you know, I flip her over and I put my cock in. If she's awake or asleep, it's not my problem. And uh, she, I wake her up first. But we, it's sometimes it's like the most intense orgasms and it's the fucking best sex because you feel like, I mean, you're not drunk, you're not on coke, you're under the influence of the Sandman's pixie dust, and that's a hell of a drug, and it just it makes for this incredible dreamlike lovemaking experience. I I back that in the morning. I feel like in the morning is a great time, and now I have a kid, so this almost never happens, but the morning is a great time to just take your morning wood, press it into the small of her back, allow her to kind of like wake up and realize the that best there's alarm already clock. this sort of like primal sexual experience. And it's not like you have to, but like, oh, it's waiting right here for you. I'm right behind you like a like a lion. Have <laughs> sex with a female lioness. But okay, my thing is at night. Now, if if let's say my girl goes to bed a little bit before me, let's say she goes to bed at 11, I go to bed at 11, 30, 12. 
if I go into the bed, this is not what she wants to do. She's trying to actually get to sleep. Yeah, but you're the man <laughs> of the house, you know? That's what I, t- I don't know, though, dude. I feel like you're just, like, interrupting too much of, like, what is actually... A- it would be like me interrupting her in the gym this morning and being like, hey, let's fuck. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just like... <laughs> she'd be like, what? Like... <laughs> This is not appropriate. It's not the right time for that. And I would be like, no, this is, this is so hot. Let's just do this. I'd be like you spotting her on bench press and then just like flopping <laughs> your dick onto her forehead and rep yeah, three. I feel like that's wrong. It, my chick, she said that to me. She, the exact same point you're bringing up, she said to me. She's like, you're such a little bitch about your sleep. If I just got on top of you and started humping you at 3 a.m., you would be so pissed. Mm. But uh, it, it's... Do you think we, that's true? Because I think there's some part of me that if I woke up... To a girl trying to fuck me, I would just be like, get the fuck away from me. What are you doing? Even your your fiance? You would do that? It would be, I, I can't even imagine her like waking me up by trying to fuck me. I think I probably would be down, but it's hard for me to imagine. It doesn't really seem like her style to like mount me while I'm sleeping. Dude, I kind of like it because sometimes it's like when you've been in a relationship for a long time, it becomes this weird thing, especially when you're like me or you and you don't drink very often. It's like, how do you bridge the gap from carrying in the groceries and tidying up the living room to like, all right, baby, drop those pants. Mm. I'm going to eat your pussy. Like, it's hard to transition really quickly. It's it's like trying to go uh, do the parallel bars or the gymnastic rings without warming up. Whereas if like if you just got a boner and it's midnight and you're just grinding on each other all of a sudden, it's like a much more romantic atmosphere than 6 p.m. Uh, watching TV after having dinner. But do you prefer, like, do you fuck during the day or do you feel like it's mostly a nighttime thing? I'm like a nocturnal a, fucker. Yeah, I kind of feel like that. Unless I'm on vacation or unless... Yeah. Maybe you're having like a lazy Sunday afternoon Ooh. or some type of shit. I feel like, yeah, I'm not really. And, and I feel the same way about dessert. And I really would put, I would put dessert and sex in very similar categories. Where They're this is both like very a, decadent. It's decadent. Yeah. It's fun. It's not a good use of your time. It's not productive, but mm. it's it's fun and it's and it's cool. I guess feel the like shit afterwards. The, but do you? I, I, I feel like I feel just fine after sex. But yeah, I feel like shit after ice cream. Uh, maybe most girls who have sex with me feel like shit afterwards. I'm their yeah. chocolate fudge Sunday. Interesting, yeah. But I think about that a lot just because I can't eat like my 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 people will offer me like cake or whatever in the middle of the day if we go to like a little like party or something. And I'm like, no, no, no. Yeah. And then I'm like ordering a piece of cake on Postmates at like eleven PM on Saturday night. You know, like it's just it's a very different thing in the morning versus at night for me. I have no self control at night. Nighttime. I mean, it's, it's. I mean, we could look at the statistics. It's the right time, it's, it's the right time for many, fucking. Many would say, but also a lot of people would say it's the right time for murder and mm-hmm. uh, non-consensual sex. Yeah, but, nothing good happens after two o'clock in the morning. That's what I heard somebody say. Like, if, like if you're staying out that late, you're just asking for bad things, right? Two to about what six o'clock? Even if you're roaming the streets at seven, if you haven't gone to sleep yet. You know, anyone just staying up that late, it's probably bad, right? Yeah, I mean, unless... Meth makes you stay up that late. If you're a garbage man, I guess I'll give you a pass if you're employed. But otherwise, I would say you're correct. Uh, The one thing I just remembered I was going to say is, oh, yeah, I I caught my dad when he was at his offices as a judge. I I called him up at, like, 2 p.m., and I just learned about jerking off. I think I'd, in fact, just had my first orgasm. And he picked up the phone super out of breath. And he was like, hey, hello, Judge Mullen's office. And I would like immediately my little like fucking 14 year old brains like, why is he breathing so hard? I think pops just got done jerking off. Mm. And I fucking drilled him on it. 
I drilled him up. I wouldn't let him off the hook. I was like, why are you breathing so hard? He's like, oh, I just picked up a box of law books and moved them across the office. And I was like, yeah, how long ago was that? And he was like, oh, five minutes. And I, I, I just, I basically said to him, like, I think you were in your private bathroom jerking off to the mental picture of your court report. You told your dad this. No, I didn't say that. That was an <laughs> embellishment. That was a big embellishment. No, but I like that. That's good. Yeah. You got to you just, if you think your dad's been, I mean, because it's so often he would be like finding my jizz tissues and making sure I wasn't watching porn on the family computer. And you got to turn it around on your old man sometimes. Keep him in check. You shouldn't be spanking it at work, dad Did you ever have a jizz wall? Because I've had a few jizz walls in my life. Let me I know. Let me tell you how this happened. Wait, I told you about the jizz wall? No, no, but I'm just saying that question you posed indicated that you did, in fact, have a jizz wall, and uh, I'm disgusted. So let's paint the picture. I'm in college. I went to college. I, I went to community college for one year where I stayed with my parents, and then I went to uh, uh, UMass Lowell for one year where I stayed on campus. And at one point, you know, because it's like, I'm being off, you know, a couple of times a day, like every other fucking 20 year old man on earth. And, you know, I'm running out of tissues. Obviously, it's just like, you know, it's hard to keep toilet paper. It's hard to keep tissues around. I'm a fucking idiot. It's not like I'm going to buy anything in advance. And, you know, I've always had tricks throughout my life. Like if I was going to beat off and there was nothing to do it onto, I would grab the nearest book. It can't be a Tupac book. Come on. history of Tupac Shakur. I would reach in back, rip out a page. Lay it out on the page, boom, fold it up, throw it in the trash. I swear there are times where I would have like, you know, 30 fucking folded up, cum soaked pieces of paper in my fucking trash can at the crib. Anyway, at a certain point when I'm in college, I'm like beating off on my computer and I'm realizing I have nothing to beat off on, but there's a wall right here. So I just kind of like turn to the wall and I just come on the wall. And then I proceeded to do that maybe like another hundred times. And nobody was really coming into my dorm, so nobody was really seeing it. And maybe a couple of times I like hit it with a paper towel and like kind of tried to get it off the wall or whatever. But then I remember like a friend of mine came over and took a look at it and just realized what it was. And he was so disgusted. And it really made me realize what a nasty scenario that I was living in. And so I, I stopped doing that around that time. But yeah, there there was a brief period of time where I had a cum wall, a jizz wall. You have rendered me, I think, for the first time on this podcast, speechless. And you're almost making me wonder, like, damn, whatever, what's everybody else going to think about that one? I mean, it's, it's, it's so like boneheaded. It just, I feel like it's not even because, like, yeah, the first couple blasts hit and stick to the wall, but a lot of it is going to end up on your fist and on your your jeans or sort of on the tip of your penis. Oh no! How do you, you clean? Can just sort of like wipe the head on the wall. So all of it, 100% of the jizz ended up on the wall. You didn't even need to wash your hands. Put the cock back in the, zip them up, you're good to go. I'm not washing my hands at that point in my life, no way. But uh, now I, I treasure that, the post-jerking off hand wash. Is, is, that means a lot to me. Is you know. this sofa clean? I'm looking behind me on the wall here. I've never sat on that side. I think there is blood on this wall. Is this, like Mike, a, can you come look at this? Is that blood? It says There's blood on the wall behind that's me. That's from a pimp. Um, you have Randy's sex shop advertised on your fucking gee, so yeah, don't, don't try to take the high road I, Listen, dude. Listen, I'm, I'm confiding in you. I'm admitting to something that I did in my past. It's not like I'm proud of this. I'm just saying that, you know, I was a kid. I had no self-control. I had no common sense, really, was what I meant to say there. Uh, and I was just letting it fly quite literally did the jizz wall i mean was did the wall like was there a hump of dried jizz did it have a three like a third dimension to the wall where you were starting to create like a barnacle 
Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you asked that because um, you ever look at one of those maps that shows you like the topography of the area where like where the mountains and the hills are at? Yes, and it, it's actually it, raised. Yes, it started to kind of take on oh. that sort of dimension because something weird happens with your cum because I'm pretty sure that there's like oh, a trans person was telling me this the other day, but they said that like they got their balls removed, but that they could still come because there's a difference between the sperm and the cum like the, the, there's ejaculate yes and then there's sperm which yeah. i never really knew that this was like a big like i guess i knew that they were different but i always thought that they were one and the same so uh, semen is the fluid and it's produced in your prostate if i'm not mistaken yes. which is internal that's the semen yes. and then sperm is created in your nuts those are the swimmers the that actually make life i guess yeah and so I think that that explains why when you jerk off on something and then let it dry, you're very likely to see like most of it just kind of like dissipate because it's sort of like this clear ejaculate fluid. But then there'll be some parts of it that over time will kind of like darken and become <sighs> more disgusting. This is pretty rough Rot. even for myself yeah i really when you painted the image again almost literally when you painted the image of the topographical map i'm imagining like running my fingers over the sierra nevadas on uh, my i don't know the globe we had in our fourth grade classroom I'm, i wonder if you were to have a doctor or a scientist rate the you know likelihood of a new pandemic emerging from a wall of dried up cum i wonder you know, is is that comparable to the uh, what was it the uh, the the wet the wet the wet, wet market wet markets? I want to say wet farm. I had wet farm in my room. You know, unfortunately, I think a lot of people suspect that the virus actually came from the Wuhan Institute of Virology, like it was a lab leak, which is like three feet away from the wet market that yes. they tried to blame it on. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but dude, I would honestly. Like, in the hierarchy of funniness of disease origin, the least funny is for sure the lab. Then a guy eating a bat, that's pretty funny. That was for some reason in a cage with a possum or exactly. something that created something freaky that we never well, knew existed. Yeah. Give me a fucking break. But, like, if I learned that the virus sprang from a wall at UMass Lowell <laughs> because a dude was jerking off who couldn't afford tissue paper, right. I would happily get killed by that virus and I or and I wouldn't grieve my entire family perishing from it. Yeah. It'd be the best flu. I mean it'd be so funny. But think about how giddy the media would have been to blame it on a nineteen year old white male in the suburbs of oh, Massachusetts. Oh my God. <laughs> this is who created the new plague was this his, guy who's his father has on a ties wall. to the only problem is your dad had ties to the Democratic Party. Like if I he know, was a how Trump much better staffer. Is that? Yeah. But he was a Trump staffer, oh it'd be fucking I over. see that all the time of like just to spend a moment on this. I see people all the time who assume that I grew up in like a rich family because my dad at one point was an unpaid volunteer for Bill Clinton. I'm pretty sure my dad would tell me that he never spent a dollar or was never paid a dollar yeah. by Bill Clinton. Uh -huh. but there's a lot of people who really think that this was like that to be a low level unpaid volunteer uh -huh. on a presidential campaign is like a well paid job yes. or that it like it assumes a certain level of privilege. People think that because my dad was a judge, he made 180 grand a year. They think that I am like pretty much the son of Jeff Bezos. Right. Like there are a lot of people who think I just came from fabulous wealth because my dad made under 200 grand a year. Right. And there's so many people out there that like seem like they have no 
hope or no ability to imagine themselves ever accomplishing anything with their lives that then they look at people who are experiencing any degree of success and they just assume that like oh this must be the result of a vast global conspiracy i mean there were advantages like i can admit that there were growing up in the family i did would be different than growing up in a trailer Mm. if only that my parents had higher expectations for me like i couldn't eat pizza and drink Mountain Dew for every meal, and I couldn't be dating a fat chick named Betsy and experimenting with drugs. Like, they kept me to a higher standard. If I needed help with, like, a car payment or rent, they were there to help me out. So there were benefits, but it's kind of the best, being from a middle-class background, because if you're dirt poor, obviously that's not good. Mm. And then if you're ultra-wealthy, you're going to have no motivation. And your dad's just going to give you a a complete, like, paper title job at his company where you're going to be collecting a paycheck to do nothing. Yeah, because I I feel like... Yeah, definitely. Like, the, like the people I know who grew up super rich, almost invariably, some of them are doing quite well for themselves. But I would say that when I speak to them, I just don't really feel like I resonate with the perspective that they're coming from mm. most of the time. And then also, though, this is an experience I've had throughout my life, is that if you take somebody, like, many times, like, with the BMX shit, I would find some kid who I thought, like, I'm going to sponsor this dude. He's from the hood but he's super talented. He's got a ton of potential. And then quite often I would run into a situation where either they were kind of like slippery or dishonest about some stuff or they ended up like really not appreciating the opportunity that I was trying to give them or whatever. I think a lot of people, when you grow up without any opportunity, it can be very, very hard for you to know how to deal with any opportunity when it does present itself. Like mm-hmm. I, I always think of this one dude, black man, aka Desmond Rhodes, who was the super dope BMX rider from like the streets of Brooklyn, came up with nothing. And he gets sponsored and he starts doing stuff that traditionally you don't do when you're sponsored. He starts selling his parts to people at the skate park. He's like, mm-hmm. you know, he, uh, like just little things that like, you know, piss the, the company off and like, Pretty quickly, within a couple of months, he like worked his way into a bad spot with his sponsors and stuff mm-hmm. like that, and his pro career ended very quickly. But I always have noticed that is that sometimes the people who come from nothing, you see it as being this like cycle that's likely to reproduce itself over mm-hmm. and over because then once those people get into a situation that is beneficial, a lot of times they don't really know how to process this this opportunity. And then on the other side, well, first of all, I've heard that 80% of millionaires are self-made millionaires, which just goes to show you that only 20% or most millionaires are going out there and doing it for themselves. Mm. Your second generation millionaire son is probably not going to be able to maintain the money or do it on his own. But there's a kid, the opposite of this guy you're talking about, Mr. Uh, selling his spokes to a 10-year-old at the local bull. I like that. Uh, selling spokes. This kid, <laughs> can he sell spokes? This could. Sure. This kid I did an improv class with who... During the class, I just, I hated him. Like, he was the fucking worst. There's always somebody when you're doing these improv classes, which it's always, you're always holding your breath when you're getting to know everybody because there's probably going to be somebody there who's really, really woke. Maybe they have a a they in their pronoun somewhere. Maybe they come in with a Bernie pin, and you're like, oh, God, okay, we kind of got to watch ourselves. If somebody in your improv class tells you, though, that they're they, them, like, how much mental energy are you going to actually use trying to respect this? Because I, I don't know that I've ever had anybody actually tell me to use weird made-up pronouns like that. We I've been in an improv class where they asked everybody their pronouns. And then there was a chick who was a she-they. 
and I wasn't. I'm when it's the split pronoun, I don't get it. I'm, yeah, they like I can't. I couldn't imagine how she would then become a they. She her. So then, if I was going to be saying like, yeah, their favorite color is black instead of her favorite color is black. How the fuck are you okay with she and not her? It's I can't do it. I, I just I can't I can't fucking do it. No, this is that that is beyond the pale. That well, is I, I I refuse. Like like I said before, dude. Like you and I have talked about this. If you're a dude and you identify as a chick, chop off the wee wee and start wearing a wig, and you are a her. Okay, I like I will have no qualms about that. Or put in some fucking work to actually look like the gender that you're claiming. To exactly. Be. Because That's what I'm when, I, when I hang out with somebody like Blair White, it's like I would have no problem. I would think Blair White going into the men's locker room at a gym would be ridiculous because every single guy i think we talked about this every guy's gonna stop and stare as soon as she walks in she technically has a penis but she's not gonna flaunt it or anything yeah. she'll go into the woman's room and she uses the bathroom or the, you know does it in private so that people can't see she's actually like respectful about how she carries yeah. herself as a trans woman no you're so right like the people who just throw the the she they and they don't look they just look like a girl or they look like a guy it's you're doing that to get ahead in job interviews which i sort of respect yeah. but not really like I'm, I'm still gonna just call you you're like presented i'm not gonna fucking give into the they stuff but this dude in my class to get back to the class thing i found out that he is a uh, a bus boy who has been on and off the wagon. That's what he told me first. He was a busboy at a local club. He's been on and off the wagon a bunch of times, and now he's just off the wagon getting fucking hammered. Well, on the last day of class, me and a bunch of the kids in the class, who end up all being pretty cool, we all go out for drinks. He goes to get his wallet from a Tesla Model X, and then I start asking him, I'm like, hey, dude, I thought you were a fucking, I thought you were a busboy. That's a, that's a $130,000 car. He's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, my parents are pretty well off. And I was like, are they? And he's like, yeah, they put me through UFC, USC. I live in a $2 million condo in Marina Del Rey. And I just think, like, this is, again, the equivalent to the dude at Potrero Skate Park selling a gyro off his mongoose bike. Like, mm. this kid has been given everything, and the most he can do is go wipe down tables and get hammered after the shift. But, I mean... He's he's doing the improv class and shit like that, right? Like he's clearly pursuing his. But he hates cre- it. Create. He hates it. He said afterwards, he's like, "There's no way I'm going on to the next level. Fuck this shit." He's like a nihilist. He's a super big nihilist. But I feel like to to go and take improv classes, you have to at least put your nihilism on the shelf for a little bit and admit that you care about this one thing, right? But the fact that he hated it is kind of like because I have a lot of respect for somebody who's upfront and and honest about the fact that they're living off their parents money because i did too like i there's a bmx dude that i i all my, all my friends were talking about him the other day and they're just like oh yeah he uh you know he, he acts like he's so hardcore he's so street whatever and his fucking parents are super rich and they just give him money and stuff and i'm like okay well i mean if he's saying and acting like he's something that he's not then i could totally get behind you know kind of giving him shit or, or thinking he's a fuck boy but if if the situation is just that his parents give him $10,000 a month, I don't know if it's that much, but I mean, if I was in that situation, if I was lucky enough that my parents fucking had made enough that they were willing to like give me that money, I mean, that's fucking amazing. That's cool as fuck. I think people should be way more honest about their nepotism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's hard to get mad at. I was just trying to, for a second, put myself in the headspace. Like, I'm trying to figure out how I would feel if I got $10,000 a month from my parents. I think if I got that money when I was. 18 through anywhere in my 20s i think i might be dead yeah i think i might be so depressed and i think like why wouldn't i go out chasing pussy and doing coke constantly 
Right. Like, what would there be to live for? No, I know. But that's like, that kind of says a lot about us that we can't even imagine life without this struggle to make something out of yourself. That yeah. we consider that to, to prove yourself as a social media influencer and create a successful YouTube channel that will probably one day be taken down by Susan. Uh, that is the greatest thing that you can accomplish in life for our generation because. We are kind of like the first generation in a lot of ways who was able to create something out of nothing on social media. And, you know, like presumably maybe my kids will not think that that's as cool as I think it is. Although it's kind of hard for me to imagine the world just like moving on and prioritizing different things. I have to piss. I have to piss real quick. Do you go piss, buddy? Do you have to piss? Yeah, I kind of have to piss right, too. Let's go piss. Well, I just want to say, and I'm going to do a quick little check on Twitter to see if I like ignited any kind of a. Uh, storm when i said this but i tweeted out this morning eh, 478 likes it didn't go too crazy but i tweeted out tempted to play the harry potter game just because all the worst people on twitter are so upset by it and uh yeah that's kind of how i'm feeling i was i was checking out harry potter it looks fucking great and the trans community are out in full force trying to convince everyone that you are a literal transphobe if you play this game the harry potter game for consoles and everything you don't play video games at all so like this is not a possibility just i just is there jk rowling should be the uh, she the should president. be a deity to the left <laughs> i mean she is a woman billionaire right who was a single mother who was writing stories on bar napkins who created an empire right but because she has some opinions we have to cast her aside and now worship i don't know who and when you attempt to figure out what her controversial opinions are it is very difficult because mm -hmm. she has really said like almost nothing that any sane person would actually consider offensive mm -hmm. and this became clear to me when i was doing that trans panel and i brought up jk rowling and uh buck angel was sitting there who was like a a uh, female to male trans person yeah. uh, who's been around since the very early days of the gay rights movement. Mm -hmm. And he's close personal friends with J.K. Rowling. And so he was, you know, on deck, excited to defend her. Mm -hmm. And then you have Blair White, too, who's very much in their corner. And then you had like Gracie or who, or I don't even think Gracie say anything, but like certain people trying to basically like argue why J.K. Rowling might be a bad person. And nobody was capable of coming with any sort mm -hmm. of like actual argument so it's hilarious seeing people do it on twitter i feel like this is probably going to be like one of the biggest video game first weeks of all time in terms of sales and everything and i think people largely seem to love this game i'm yeah. excited to try it because it looks kind of like zelda yeah i haven't played like a good role-playing game in a while i want to get my girl into it oh, and yeah. i want to own the libs oh, i want to let all these fucking woke people know that they could suck my trans penis yeah yeah like maybe you're gonna buy a skin or instead of the spectacles with tape harry potter's wearing a mega hat yeah i'm gonna buy the gracie jane skin probably as soon as i start playing <laughs> And you're going to go out into the Forbidden Forest? I can just see Adam right now. Expecto Patronum, you Death Eater! Is that what you're going to do? The reality you is is that my girl made me watch Harry Potter two different times. And I hate it. You never read the books? No, of course not. Dude, the books are magical. I don't care. I, I, I hated the movie. I tried to watch the, the second sucked. one. The movies sucked. I hated the movies too. The idea that I'm going to like a book more than the movie. How dare you. The movie is two hours of sitting and staring at a screen the book is like real labor of having to read each line it's not I, labor. I, I would never do it no. uh, it's when you go to gringotts alongside harry potter when you crack open the sorcerer's stone it is not labor 
It's pleasure. for me. It would be labor. No, the movie beautiful. as well was labor. It's no. just like it's such a stupid, boring story. I don't understand why the fuck anybody likes it. I just, that's just me. I, I think it's terrible. You never. Um, I have no sense of wonder. Adam, if, You're right. You have, I have no sense of wonder. And that's you've lost it lately. When you and yeah. I first started this podcast, there was a sparkle in your eyes, and it's long gone. Now I wear sunglasses. Yeah. But just no part of you at any point in your life. It is hard to see with a mm. tint. No part of you at any point in your life wished that uh, a big hairy guy came and said, "You're a." Wizard. Adam and gave you a letter and you went off to a magical land. Again, I watched it two times. To a magical land. Shit sucks. Anyway, that's just my opinion. Is that it's boring. And hey, 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 what do you got? Hey, hey, what? hey, I'll throw it out. I got my belt. This happened before too. Okay. Because you might not know this. Most of the world has forgotten about this. But Pokemon Go. I've been playing it since 2016. Oh, fuck. At a cer- what was supposed to be the next great augmented reality, uh, you know, real-life style game like Pokemon Go. What was supposed to be the next one? Harry, Harry Potter. Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone or some shit. Mm. That was supposed to be the next one. I, even though I don't like Harry Potter, I was excited. I'm like, oh, this game's going to be really interesting. I can't wait to try it. It took them probably four years to develop it. It was a complete failure. I would assume that they're probably on the verge of mm-hmm. shuttering mm-hmm. the game in the near future because it obtained essentially no fan base. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't remember seeing a lot of controversy about this Pokemon Go ripoff being transphobic at the time. But, you know, they actually, as a side note, they have a new version of it. I forget what it's called. It's like NBA something. And it's like you go to different basketball courts all over the city and on your phone you can, like, compete against LeBron James, like the same way that you can go to a Pokemon gym and compete against a Mewtwo or a Reggie Steel. No, you take this fucking app and then you go and you you battle Carl Malone at the local elementary school. This is what's wrong with the country in a nutshell. And it was created by Niantic, same I, company as Pokemon Go. I mean, and think about this, like where kids are, it's like, hey mom, I'm going to the basketball court. What, Eddie? You're getting you're getting exercise? What? No, I'm playing AR. <laughs> Like, that is everything that's, like, I got over here, like, I come in here and Mike is just fucking laying on me the sob story about how he can't stop eating snacks in the afternoon uh. and how his diet, I'm just like, you're probably the guy who is more interested in fighting a virtual Carl Malone than hooping it up with some local ball players. Okay, you're going to be the guy uh, collecting a social dust in the corner while they're actually doing real life activities playing basketball. He needs some David Goggins in his life, I would say, you because do. he's talking about not eating McDonald's like it's this great hardship. And it's like, no, you're going to have to that's going to be the least of shit that you're going to have to deal with. But he, they, again, his problem is that he's already in good shape. I, you come for money, don't you? I think he's loaded. No. He says no. He's a handsome guy. He comes from good breeding. Okay. He found this job here and you can tell he's <laughs> kind of got the casual like, yeah, I work at No Jumper. I don't I could take it or leave it though. That screams like I can go back and live in my childhood bedroom and my dad will get me into the family business of doing my own thing fails. Right. Uh, I don't know about that. I feel like a lot of people, it's probably hard to give up your childhood eating habits. Like, you know, the average, like to me, it's like to wake up and eat eggs and then eat like chicken and asparagus for the next couple of meals. I'm almost 40. I can handle it. Like, yeah. it's okay. When you're young, dude, in your early 20s, it's pretty tough to turn off the pizza switch. That's another thing that's great about jujitsu to bring it all back is jujitsu. Not only are you getting in shape when you're on the mat, but it makes you want to adjust your entire lifestyle because you know that if you go to bed a little bit earlier and if you refrain from the McDonald's and you go grab a salad instead, 
you'll have just a little bit more cardio when you take on Stevie on Monday morning in advanced class. Mm. Just a little bit more cardio. So you know that guy's a cocky cocksucker, and you know his Baron Bolo's getting really, really nasty since that seminar. Mm. Like you just you make healthier choices. Uh, I would like to do steroids and then enroll in jujitsu just so I could overpower the fuck out of everyone. I'm assuming that there are people who do that because it's like when you go to a jujitsu meet, there is no drug testing going on. They're at the very top level of they black do a little belt, bit. but you have to like win the world championship and then they test you. But if you know when the test is, you can cycle on and cycle off. And Brazilian jiu-jitsu is notorious for everybody being juiced out. Right. Notorious. And, okay, here, let's ask a racist question. Let me ask you this. Yeah. So I remember when I was doing jiu-jitsu that yeah. my instructor was brazilian right pull up, pull. and i remember him like because we were talking about different things that were going on in the media at that time about different things in the mma world or whatever and there was some kind of controversy about something shady that had gone on at a, a jiu-jitsu event some yeah. sort of cheating or something yeah and he told me he goes you know in america there's a big emphasis on being honest and sportsmanship and all this kind of stuff but this guy spoke good english whatever he's from brazil but he's lived here for like 10 years oh, he's, he's like the word emphasis but he's like he's like you know like in america these things are considered important in brazil they really don't give a fuck yeah. <laughs> that's basically how he was saying he's like when you look at jujitsu events they will be like blatantly cheating on the weigh-ins yeah on all kinds of crazy shit like he's yeah. he's just like the level of moral uh you know the the moral code is just like very poorly uh exercise there and they have no sympathy for americans or white people or europeans at all because to them brazilian jiu-jitsu is their art form so uh -huh. he, he was basically saying that like if you go to a jiu-jitsu event that is like organized by brazilian people you're basically asking to be cheated or unfairly treated in some way that, that's definitely a controversy that i think a lot of white jiu-jitsu practitioners it all comes back to the white man being put down dude but a lot <laughs> so of hard. a lot of uh white guys like will post long ass like this guy keenan cornelius who for a while was the top <laughs> american young guy coming up brazilian jiu-jitsu he posted this this fucking tirade after losing at the world championships i think last year like a five paragraph breathless instagram post he was probably dropping sweat onto his iPhone screen as he composed it after his finals match. I guess basically the refs had done what your instructor described it. Just like it was their decision. They had because the score was tied. It was their choice who wins the match and they just gave it to Gustavo or whoever the Brazilian guy was. And this dude was fucking pissed. And I've heard about like there's a gym down in San Diego where I guess like the dude, the main guy who runs it, doesn't fuck with the white American competitors because he thinks they're snakes. Hmm. Might be some truth to it. White people. Here are I am airing out everything that I learned during my time in the jujitsu world. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're you're fucking selling out the I mean, you're basically calling this guy racist. I mean, okay, this is the kind of question though, is like if you were a world leader, would you rather be Putin or would you rather be Biden? Would you rather be the person who has complete control over everyone who lives there and you can kill journalists, you can kill your political opponents, you can mm -hmm. order whatever kind of murders you want? Or would you be rather be somebody like Biden who seems like they're playing by the rules, essentially, you know, maybe Hunter Biden's uh, sneaking around, getting uh -huh. some money off of people uh -huh. in Ukraine or whatever. Uh -huh. But it wouldn't appear that Joe Biden is like really using his position in unethical ways in the same way that somebody like putin is like if you were the world leader would you prefer to be a world leader who could just kill your political opponents or would you prefer to have to be sort of acting in a mostly moral way huh 
Yeah, I mean, the, our American politicians definitely have some fucking leeway, especially right now if you're a Democrat. That's just who's in power right now. Like, Hillary Clinton can have a bunch of classified emails on her MacBook. No big deal. Joe Biden can have a... He, it seems, can have all these classified documents. Trump can't. He can be picking up, like you said, bags of cash from Hunter Biden, who's also smoking crack and fucking hookers. But <laughs> Taking dick pics. Putin... Taking dick pics. Putin could be having and he probably is right now having an orgy he's about to die of cancer he's like 70 years old there's no way he's doing shit i think he probably still gets his rocks off eh. with the hottest girls in the russian countryside who must be beautiful whatever he wants to do i'm sure he's doing he doesn't have a wife does he, he i haven't heard of her the problem is the problem with the dictator thing is eventually things can wind up like they did for old saddam hussein and America can just show up outside of your city, and there's a siege, and then you're going to get beheaded, or you're going to get hung. Oh, this bitch died in 2013. Oh, it's fuck town, baby. Yeah, she did. Moscow, more like fuck cow. She was only alive for 30, wait, 1983 to 2013? Oh, that's when they were married. Oh, so she she may not be dead. He's just... I was going to say, I like his style. And there's an article about a woman who is... 39 has been romantically linked to him for more than a decade and is thought to have at least three children with him it's unbelievable how they're able to keep all that shit secret over there and like out here all that shit is just on fucking front street oh dude he runs the media but yeah as i was saying dude like it doesn't seem like putin is going to get toppled anytime soon i think the western powers learned their lessons about invading russia he's probably gonna die soon and there's a bunch of like military generals and stuff who are kind of vying for his spot. So mm. if, if it does go down like that, that's probably how it's going to go down. Then I'd much rather be Putin. Like he basically had a consequence free run. Right. He was KGB. He was slitting people's throats. Then he was fucking and being rich and censoring the media and killing rivals. And now he's just going to die of old age. Yeah. He wins. But that's what's going to happen to Biden too. Yeah, but Biden, I mean, Biden has to pretend he's a nice guy. Yeah, I mean, like Biden, Biden personally, his worst slip ups or is like he flip flopped on a couple positions like gay marriage and like police reform. And he got a little handsy with a couple kids on camera. Yeah. Like those are his absolute worst offenses. Whereas, you know, Vladimir Putin was like, uh, kill them. Yeah. Uh, the journalist, uh, behead him. Wouldn't you want to be a fly on the wall for that? No, nah, dude, I can't even watch the beheading videos. You know what? I felt like Putin on the way here. Because I'm driving through this little section where there's some some construction and everything, right? Yeah. So it's normally two lanes yeah. of people driving in this direction, but now there's only one. Yeah, yeah. This is the most common thing you've ever encountered on the road, right? Happens all the time in LA. It's I, infuriating. I mean, assuming that there isn't any sort of traffic jam, how much should you s slow down in this kind of situation? I would say almost not at all. Or maybe oh, wow. a little bit. Okay. You know, if it, if it normally was a 30 or 40 miles per hour zone, and if there's a bunch of construction workers and stuff, maybe instead of 40, I'll go like 30 just to be a little bit more yeah, yeah. careful, whatever. But really, you don't even have to slow down at all. It's not like there's a different speed limit because they're working on this area. There's a guy driving in front of me going like 15 miles per hour. Like, he's treating this as if it's a fucking world emergency, right? Okay. And so... Okay. As soon as I realize that this guy's gonna continue doing this after we fucking get past the construction, I lay on the horn. Ooh. And my thing about laying on the horn. That was on the way here today. Yes. Okay. A lot of people, when they honk, they like to just beep, beep. When I honk, it's bang. And I don't let up until the thing that I don't like stops. Now, I've done this many, many times, and it's usually with people driving slow, because on Laurel Canyon, there's been a few times where I'm stuck behind somebody driving fucking 15 miles per hour, 
And I'm not going to just bip bip. I'm going to hold that fucking thing down. Until I am stops. going to completely envelop your senses so that you can't think about anything else except why the person behind you is upset. They got to pull over or fucking accelerate. Yeah, or if anything, if I get a chance, I'm going to fucking swerve around you and I'm going to go like 90 miles per hour to scare the shit out of you. But for me, I'm such a big believer in just holding that horn down until mm -hmm. the problem goes away. Uh -huh. And there has been a few times where I've done this around like my girl or other people where they've been like, oh, shit, like, you're nuts. Because I like, I, I guess most people don't do that. Most people will just kind of hit the horn a couple of times. So when a freelance journalist writes about Putin, oh, his policies in in the Siberia are killing pet, his holding down the horn is deploying the KGB to kill that journalist. Yes. That's you. I get a little taste of that kind of power every time I hold wow. the horn down, yeah. You know, you probably just by chance, maybe before you and I knew each other, you probably held down your horn on me and my little old Mercury Sable. It's possible. More than once, because I am the slowest driver. Are you really? I drive so slow, and my biggest pet peeve is when people roll stop signs, when people drive fast through my neighborhood. I honestly, I have called the how is my driving bumper sticker number on multiple service vehicles to report what I see is wayward automobilesmanship. See, I feel like I'm a good driver, but then every time I drive with anyone in my car, they're usually pretty convinced that I'm out of my mind. It sounds like you might have a couple issues. I like to drive fast. Well, you I have a vehicle for I, it. I don't really like to stop at red lights or anything you know so it's like if possible oh, wow. i will blast through the orange the yellow whatever so i, I think, like is, is it orange what you're saying right now it's not is a black backdrop it kind of looks orange to me i don't know orange makes me you're think right, like yellow. when the yellow and the red are like blending because it's almost it's basically red adam's still like and my biggest pet peeve is that my girl does the opposite where the fucking she will be like five feet away from the stop from the the light and it turns orange, and she just smashes on the fucking brakes. And I'm looking at her like, you're insane. Like, that was so much more dangerous than just driving through. You know, I'm surprised than you. you got a beautiful life for yourself. you got a beautiful family. We live in sunny Los Angeles. You can just, you know, you're driving down the streets like, oh, look at that beautiful Art Deco 1920s house. Charlie Chaplin used to live there. Oh, Hollywood Boulevard, tourists from all over the world come to visit our town. You, in that environment, you have the pent-up frustration to drive like a maniac? It has nothing to do with frustration. You're driving around listening to Sonic Youth, and I'm driving around listening to Pooh Shiesty, and they just bring different things out of us. The BPMs are just completely different. Mm, the lyrics, maybe? Yeah. My lyrics are like the Velvet Underground and Nico, like Sunday morning. Yours are like, yo, yo, gonna pull up with the Uzi, go clap, clap, clap. No, back in the day, by the way, I want to say this about the Moby thing, is that, so there was a, I think a Moby show, or Moby was out and about in Boston in some way. Uh-oh. And a bunch of like white hoodlums ran down on Moby and beat the shit out of him. And Why? I believe that they were associated with a certain hardcore crew at the time, but I don't want to confirm that. But at the time... Sure, we can't throw this hardcore crew under the bus. They're basically a gang. But uh, around that time, I remember that it was reported in the media that Moby got beat up by a bunch of Eminem fans, which uh. was totally made up. But like they, they probably just went with that because it would have been a better story in the media, you know? Yeah, yeah. But I thought that that was pretty fascinating because in reality, it was just these like 
hardcore dudes that probably were just beating him up because he just looks like a nerd. I mean, yeah, think about it. If you could put Eminem in that title, it's way fucking better. Yeah. That was, um, that sort of reminds me, it's not a completely parallel topic. What do you think about the Memphis police brutality? Because it was interesting, like, the media still, you could tell they, like, the media kind of wanted to spin it as, like, this is a race thing. Yeah. And there were some protests, but I read about the protests in Portland and Memphis. They, like, people just kind of marched around the town and were like, no justice, no peace. But then the protests sort of petered out because the narrative wasn't actually there. Because there the, wasn't the cops actually were all black. A, yes, exactly. Yeah. Like, there wasn't an Eminem crew that beat the shit out of Moby to tie it back together. I mean... I mean because that, that shit was wild because it was like everybody was expecting it if you turned on cnn i was seeing like images on all these different news sites where they're like it, it looked like they were preparing for a storm yeah. they're like showing like oh there's protests potentially popping off here and all these different parts of the country my question is i i wonder if america has another uh you know summer 2020 mm. moment in them or is everyone mm. just kind of pacified and just jaded like oh. I, I, in a way it's kind of hard for me to ima imagine america doing that again mm. and it kind of feels like that was the perfect storm because with covid and mm -hmm. nobody being at work and all this kind of stuff that yeah i don't know it's like i don't know i just i i, I kind of doubt it i kind of feel like we might never see anything like the george floyd protests ever again but I, maybe maybe they will maybe we just have to see something bad enough it was really like, you're so right, it was the perfect storm. And then, two, I think there was also a lot more trust in institutions then. The COVID stuff, there has, clearly there's been some fishy stuff about COVID. Mm. Some stuff has leaked about Pfizer, about information being withheld about masks and taking kids out of school. Also, like, the idea that Trump was this, people thought Trump was literally Hitler reborn. Mm. They thought he was the Antichrist. And I think we've sort of cooled it on these things. Also, BLM, some stuff came out that maybe discredited them a little bit to show that they're not the angels they made themselves out to be. Right. So I, I think all of those things not being known yet, we thought Trump was a Nazi. We thought BLM were saints. We thought COVID was absolutely going to kill us all unless we did exactly what the government said. I think those illusions being shattered might make people think twice about taking to the streets. Yeah, it's not that I don't think there will never be another perfect storm. It just feels like it will be kind of hard to get there because like the George Floyd thing really did feel unique in a sense where it felt like republicans and people on the right were all sort of like equally astonished and horrified by that video mm -hmm. when it came out and there was like a sense of sort of national disgust that was going on at the time and that i was looking for where the justification for the memphis shit was going to come from mm -hmm. and it didn't ever feel like there was anybody who really came up with any you know and it took years for candace owens to come up with this whole like george floyd actually overdosed and mm -hmm. he actually deserved it or whatever all that shit like i didn't really see like a compelling counter narrative to the memphis thing of like why this guy was killed it didn't seem like there was any but there was there's been a lot of similar shit bro like there was a fucking cousin of a black lives matter founder or some shit who got killed by the cops out here mm -hmm. and i'm pretty sure that like once you look into the details that it was like not justified but the guy was wilding that he was yeah. doing some pretty crazy shit that led to the situation happening. But that was another one that I saw it sort of mm -hmm. felt like it was bubbling up on social media and then didn't really go anywhere. I just wonder if when people are busy working 50 hours a week that they mm -hmm. just don't have it in them to protest the same mm -hmm. way that they did during the George Floyd thing. You know, That's a good point. I never thought about that. But yeah, and just something, my take on the whole police violence thing in these viral videos is what nobody talks about is after the police got defunded, crime rates and murders in in 
poor neighborhoods filled with black people but went they, through they would the say fucking that roof. The cops were like essentially never defunded. That's not true. In most places. That I mean, there wasn't like any real significant decline in police budgets and then most of them were ratcheted back up very soon after. They were massive. I mean, here I think it was 300 million and also we still haven't recovered to pre-pandemic levels of police mm. because so many police have resigned due to just like disrespect and everybody hates them. They're afraid to do their job. Right. There's been mass resignation. So I think the level of policing in most major cities has gone down both financially and in terms of numbers and what nobody talks about, and I read about it as early as like late summer 2020, in Compton there were black leaders like calling for the police to be refunded because mm -hmm. there were so the murder rates were going so crazy. Yeah. And that's and also, I mean, are there racist cops? You can't deny it because there's so much evidence just like right here in LA. Like Mark Furman, the tapes of him. I was saying, just Googling that last night. Yeah, like, he was saying that, like, you get a black guy, we just take him down into the basement, we don't ask him any questions, we just beat the shit out of him. The reason That's why, real. The reason why I thought that that was sus for a moment was because I was watching DJ Vlad interview Kato Kalin, and Kato Kalin, when Vlad referred to the Mark Furman tapes, Kato Kalin said, yeah, it was for a screenplay. And I was like, it was for a screenplay, I never... I never like heard that. So I went to the Wikipedia article right away and started reading it because I was like, was I lied to about those Mark Furman tapes back in the day? But it, it feels like he was a consultant of sorts for a, a screenplay writer. So he basically told them all kinds of shit about what was going on in the LAPD. But that those experiences when he's talking about like beating up minorities and yeah. shit, that those are those were real experiences and that he was speaking from his own voice box because I, I thought for a second when i heard kato kalen say the thing about the screenplay i'm like so you're telling me that that was all like just a narrative and it wasn't about his own personal experience but i don't know yeah i mean i heard the tapes i've listened to them a lot they sound pretty uh they sound like they're based on real experiences the one that was pretty funny that was like i mean it was really racist and awful but it's kind of funny is like they stopped one black guy and uh he had a skateboard and they with the partner just like asked him bogus questions while Mark Furman took the skateboard and propped it up under the tire of the cruiser and they just ran over the skateboard of the guy and then just left. Wow. Which is awful and I racist. Like that, Jason Ellis. But uh how do you like that, Jason Ellis? I'll fucking tear you up on the vert ramp on the mats anytime, buddy. And then we'll ride ride our bike over your skateboard. And then I'll ride a bit. we'll get one of Adam's old dusty BMX bikes. I'll fucking bunny hop onto your board, dude. Jason Ellis is a consistent presence on this podcast. I wonder if he's annoyed. I, I, Jason, I, you're my buddy, dude. I do want to roll with you sincerely. I want Don't to try the, to fuck me now. Where's you. the Danny Mullen, Tony Hawk, Jason Ellis podcast? Oh, I want that. It'd be great. What if the three of us went skateboarding? Well, what if Jason tells Tony Hawk that you're a poser in advance and he's just totally shitting on your five stair heel flip from the beginning? It was a kick flip. If it was a heel flip, I would be like arguably sponsored. Right yeah. <laughs> like hook me up. Skate shops, a bearing company. Yeah, hit me up. A heel flip down to five? Is a heel flip that much harder than a kick flip? Some people, you know, Neen Williams. There's, yeah. a, there's a guy on Death Wish Skateboards who that's his fucking thing. He's like the heel flip king. I, I now mostly know Neen Williams from the Yeasty Boys Instagram story. What did he do on that? He's just always eating bagels on there. Yeah, he's like sober and super healthy now, which is good for him. I yeah. love like Andrew Reynolds, the man, dude. Like when skaters get sober and start killing it, I love it. Does there need to be a reckoning for Baker in general? Because they definitely made me want to like meld, uh, you know, cocaine and alcohol and action sports together at a certain yeah. point in my life. Definitely, I got motivated to do coke by the Baker videos for sure. People don't know, but I was likewise in fifth grade and I was reading like whatever skateboarder magazine or Trans World or Thrasher. The piss drunks 
yeah. was the Baker crew, mm-hmm. and they modeled themselves off Sid Vicious and the Sex Pistols. So they're all, they got spiked up, dyed black hair. They're wearing leather jackets with no undershirt, tight pants, and they just go rip during the day and then black the fuck out at night. Right. And I'm reading stories about this when I'm a fifth grader, and I'm like, oh, boy, the adult world sure looks fun. Yeah. Because that's, yeah, it was super influential. Yeah. I was watching a video about the history of the Carlsbad Gap that this kid did where they, they just showed, like, every single trick that happened there, and it was it was really well made. And, uh yeah, there's there's like one dude who pulls some crazy ass trick on. And he goes, "I am getting fucked up tonight," and everybody's like, "Yeah." That was Eric Ellington. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I remember that. And it was just like I'm watching it as a grown man, and I'm like, "No, dude, do not get fucked up tonight. Like, go home, chill, eat some good food, and then go out the next day yeah. and get another good trick. Like, yeah. just don't like." As soon as you get into that mentality of like, yes, I'm young and I'm healthy and I'm strong and I can do whatever the fuck I want. I'm invincible. It's like that shit. I've just seen it fall apart so many times. Yeah. There's something about skateboarding. I get it, though. Like, especially if you get a trick that you know is going to be one of the last three tricks in your part, that's just a hammer. Just like an NBD at a big spot. You pushed forward the sport of skateboarding. Mm. You progressed the art. I could see how that would be like them winning a Super Bowl oh, yeah. and them wanting to get really fucked up. Oh, I've seen people pull tricks where it was like they won their Super Bowl, like in the sense of like, oh, I'm never going to do that trick again. Like, I'm never going to find something bigger to do that trick on. Yeah, like, that's just pretty much it. When I saw Stevie truck El Toro 360 bar spin down El Toro, it was just like, oh, well, you, you probably are never going to truck something like that again because it's like. What, what would the point be? Like, that's that the biggest one anyone's ever done. It's definitely probably the biggest one you're going to do. So, it's, it's the 20 stair. What's the best thing that's been thrown down El Toro? I think it's been switch ollied. You, you'd have to tell me skateboard wise. BMX wise, definitely truck driver. I've I seen a kid switch, I've seen a kid double bar spin it, which is fucking insane. Uh, I think I saw a kid switch bar spin it. I think I've seen a scooter kid backflip it. Scooters don't count. I'm just not impressed. Okay, by it's a backflip. It, it's gnarly, but it's not gnarly because he has a scooter and he was probably wearing a helmet. Okay, you're a grown man. It's an insane physical feat. You got to take yourself out of this like anti-scooter mentality for a second and just admit that someone doing a backflip down a twenty stair on a chintzy little piece of shit aluminum fucking scooter is crazy. Here's the difference. You, when you were younger, did BMX. I was a skater. This kid was a scooter. We hated scooter riders too, but at a certain point, you just got to acknowledge that they do insane shit. It's the same thing with the rollerblading thing. We had like rollerblader beef my the whole time booters. growing up. Yeah, the but fucking fruit booters. If you actually watch rollerblade videos, I mean, they do the most death defying shit. A lot of rollerblade videos make skateboarders look like fucking I, dude, I don't. I mean, there are guys in the Middle East who swallow swords for a living. That's technically gnarly. And some people will click on that on Worldstar and enjoy themselves very much watching it. Not me so much at this point. But, I mean, if you can't see the similarity of, like, oh, this guy took uh, an an inanimate object and, you know, took it down a 20 stair and did something that realistically probably could have, like, you know, killed him. It's, like, two degrees away from a skateboard. It's just got a handle on it I, and less wheels. I, I think he – the only thing that makes me comforted is I know that that guy gets no vagina to compensate his And that his is wrist. why it's so cool is because you could conceivably get ass by doing heel flips. You're kind of right. You know, yeah. it actually, it is kind of more impressive that there's no earthly reward for what he did. Well, I'm sure actually they're sponsored and they probably make okay money. 
Some of, there's, there's definitely scooter dudes making good money. Unfortunately, every time I drive by a skate park now, I see more fucking scooters going around and, but it makes than me I wonder do skateboards. If, it makes me wonder if scooters are on the way out because I feel like I see less scooters. And I remember 2010 hearing from people in the UK and Australia that like the scooter takeover of their skate parks was like nothing ever to have happened before that it was like the craziest thing ever and a lot of people really seem to be under the impression of like oh bmx and skateboarder are probably going to go away because skateboarding or because scooters are so big now there's just no sex appeal i remember the first razor scooter i ever saw and this was an omen of things to come it was at the maidu skate park in sacramento california all these kids were, were hit the fun boxes going down the banks this kid pulls up into the park and we're like, what the hell is that thing he's on? This kid was on a Razor scooter with baggy Fred Durst-style shorts, and he had a sideways, upside-down visor. Mm. Was he Japanese? No, he was like a fat white kid. That's just like the cool rollerblader style that I imagine from the 90s is that everybody had like a fucking sideways, upside-down visor. I remember seeing it, and maybe I missed like the peak '90s rollerblader like fashion wave. Oh, it was but great! I thought that I was just like this kid is so embarrassing, and I hate the device he's writing, and I will hate it for all time. Based, you on gotta his unlearn that shit. I, I it's, the, your love for TikTok and scooters distresses me. It's not like okay, very different because one is a, a physical object and one is just a social media platform that realistically is not different from Instagram or Twitter in any meaningful way, but. When it comes to the scooter stuff, I mean, you just you just can't deny that some of it's absolutely unbelievable. Like I've seen so like, and, and I would love for people because I can't even remember who's like really dope. But send us links to people because I would love for Danny to try to argue that some of this shit is not dope. And even the idea that it's not cool or that these dudes are just straight dorks. No, there are scooter dudes who have steez like the like the top skateboarders who have like unbelievable cool ass style, and you're in denial because you pretend that you've had this skateboard thing going on in your life i'm pretend <laughs> i'm yeah, questioning it now like jason ellis i pretend i'm just saying anybody who gives this scooter shit a fair shake would have to admit that it's absolutely unbelievable and this is the other thing i like about at least some of the scooter world or whatever is that i feel like in bmx the companies aren't honest with each other or themselves the customer is a 16 year old boy maybe on the high end like a 21 year old boy you know it's just like you're you're marketing your shit to a young ass audience yep. and you should be honest about that because a lot of times throughout my life i've seen bmx companies make oh look look at our new cut and sew line of these dope clothes that we came out with and it's oh it's a light brown shirt with a little logo of like a leaf thing in the corner that's like two centimeters tall and the guy who owns the company is like a 35 year old dude who goes to indie rock shows and to him this is some cool merch and everybody's gonna understand everybody's gonna love it I think at least some of my success while I was in BMX was realizing, oh, the average BMX person is listening to hip hop, smoking weed, and they're not in their 30s. They like loud ass t-shirts with yeah. crazy graphics and shit like that. I remember having a eureka moment when I was like standing in a hot topic one time and just looking at all the fucking crazy shirts. This is, you know, 2013, 2014 and just realizing like this is my market skateboarding spitfire and in, in uh world industries who wins they're the cartoon li- characters yes. but i mean you are talking about like 30 years ago but yeah and still dude like spitfire and world industries are still like considered cool 
Like, I think Flame Boy and Wet Willie and the fucking the the the, the average skateboarder does not think those things are cool at all. Well, Spitfire still owns the wheels industry. Like right. you still see Spitfire everywhere. But nobody's dying for a Flame Boy graphic tee. I would fucking rep one. The that average skater kid, though, I don't think that's You're really right. holding a lot of weight. But at the time, I mean, that sold. That company sold for like I don't know. Yeah. But, tens but of that, millions? Okay, that's the difference between skateboarding and BMX, though, is that the skateboard audience actually is very much influenced by the older, hardcore skater dudes. Like, And, and it's not that the... Like, obviously, a 16-year-old dude has, like, a different sense of what's cool than a 30-year-old skater, but there is a sense to which the 30-year-old skater helps, like influence what the young kids think are cool and that really doesn't exist in bmx in the same way it used to because there's just so few like older dudes who still are like core bike rider guys that go to the skate park that fantasy was way more alive when i was a kid as opposed to now whereas in skateboarding you know you have tons of in skateboarding that i love is like crew videos like oh these guys all just live in st louis and they've been filming with their vh uh, their vx for like three years and they made this dope ass video I mean, the number of places where that's happening in BMX is like kind of scary small at a certain point. What's the crew up in SF, the skate crew? They're real famous. They're these guys that are all just complete no names who work at like pizza parlors uh, and they just shred the hills. But they just go down the the big ass hills. I feel like I know who you're talking about, but I forget. They put out really sick videos of them on Thrasher like one a year. And I love just watching that the shit. Gnarliest but street I'm going to be real with you. As I get older. What's that? GX1000. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. As I get older, the shit of just going down hills that fast, I, I don't get it. Like, I don't know how the fuck these people are willing to to take these risks because that shit is terrifying. And people do die doing that. Sean Green, I think is his name, who was a GX guy. Uh, dude, he had this compilation that came out on Thrasher where he bombed all the biggest spots in San Francisco. Like hills that don't look physically possible to bomb. Uh, I mean, you get like either an erection or an increased heart rate watching this. He got smoked by a dump truck. Yeah. Like, that eventually happened after he put out this triumphant hill bombing part. Dude, I wonder if they were filming. Because you know they ain't putting that footage up. Dude. Like, he would do shit. Like, he would bomb a hill, and he would kickflip from one curb cut over a street to another. Like, a 15 or 20-foot gap, and it was only possible because he's going, like, 60 miles per mm -hmm. hour. Like, a kickflip while bombing a hill over a gap. I have that feeling all the time when I'm watching bike videos and they're not wearing helmets. And I'm just seeing them like, oh, you're like doing a 180 bar spin down an 18 stair and you're basically like floating backwards. And the thing that happens if you don't grab the handlebars perfectly is that you go backwards and you fucking smash your head on the ground. Yeah. And I'm just like, listen, like I'll go fuck around at the skate park and do some like two foot tall rails and stuff without a helmet on. Yeah. But people doing that shit like I and, and you know what's crazy? It shows you a lot about like the cultural differences between sports that are actually pretty fucking common because skateboard and BMX and mountain biking, I would say like, yes, they're like very different, but to a certain extent, you're taking like a pretty similar amount of risk in all of these. I would say skateboarding, nobody wears a helmet mm -hmm. BMX, a good percentage of, of skate park riders and, and trail riders wear helmets, but almost no street riders wear helmets. In mountain biking, if you post a photo of you doing a trick without a helmet on, the comment section will be like 90% people telling you you're an idiot for not wearing a helmet. Wow. It's like getting mask shamed for not wearing a mask. It's fucking weird. But that it's is just, weird. it's a different culture. And I get it too, because it's like if you're blasting down big ass fucking mountains and yeah. you're not wearing a helmet, then you're like pretty fucking stupid. But like a lot of a lot of the, the mountain bike stuff is like, you know, they're not really doing anything that's that different than skateboarding or BMX danger level. You know, yeah. you're like a, a few feet off the ground. You're maybe 10 feet off the ground when you jump down something or whatever. But 
yeah, it's just like the cultural difference is fucking massive. And it, it, it's like mountain bikes, the reason why there's so much more money in it, they appeal to like grown ass people that just want to go have fun on the weekend. Yeah. That's why Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, there's a lot of successful companies that make these geese, is because everybody who does Jiu Jitsu is somebody who has a lot of expendable income. Because a Jiu Jitsu gym membership, mine's like damn near 300 bucks a month. Right. And yeah, there are fucking like dudes in there who work at tech companies who are just down to blow money on a two hundred dollar designer gi. And and jujitsu is crazy though because it's like you make it to the top of the fucking game and you're still not making any money. There's no, just no money in it unless you open a gym. That's yeah. the thing is teaching. And depending on what part of the country you're in, you can actually open a gym and kill it, even if you're just a no-name black belt. But my instructor is, like, gnarly multi-time world champion. He charges 300 bucks a month, and he has hundreds and hundreds of students. I ran the math one day after seeing how many members there were. He makes 80K a month. That's wow. just off his memberships. And he does, like, seminars, and he has other affiliate schools that write him a check every month. He's probably making well over 100K a month as a jiu-jitsu instructor. You got a lot of expenses, though. That's true. Like, uh, yeah, a lot of insurance, the rent there. But, yeah. I mean, he's still probably clearing like, how many profit. He has. Four. Mm, and it's like a lot of them, you're just like, hey, here's $20 to teach a class. I, I wonder, though, in jiu-jitsu, if a large part of why there's no money in it is because anyone who has had enough common sense and intelligence to make money at it also has the common sense and intelligence to not share it with the competitors. How what they're teaching? No, the money. Oh, the okay. It so, just feels like there's got to be money to go around. It's just like the people who are making the money probably don't want to like create an environment in which they have to give some of that money back to the to participants. The, to the okay. Well, the participants. Well, there's no spectators in it. It's like the WNBA. That's it's a like, good point. Yeah. It's like when fucking women want equal pay to Steph Curry because they're the point guard for the Seattle Mystics. Jiu-Jitsu, if you watch a tournament, even me as a competitor, it's almost fucking unwatchable. Yeah. Because there's so much stalling and gamesmanship and running out of bounds. It's a terrible spectator sport. Mm. So all there is is teaching money. Yeah, you're right. Because when, when I went to that one Jiu-Jitsu tournament, I was shocked how just like... There's tons of different like matches going on and almost no people watching the matches. And it's so erratic and there's so much shit going on that even the people from my school that I knew wanted to watch my match, that they, you know, were basically like powerless to even yeah. get near it. I'm surprised you even competed. It seems like you would have been out with a staff infection at that point. Oh, I got fucked up. Did you your first match? Yeah, it got destroyed me. Yeah, I lost a lot of matches in my early days too. I didn't feel too bad about it because he was way better than me. I was just like, oh, yeah, that's fair. No gi? Gi. Gi? Nice. You went out there with the white belt and you competed in a gi? My fucking coach at the school was, like, really on me. I probably shouldn't have done it because that was the last time I ever trained. I never did it after that. That's weird to I go out with back. a tournament loss. You need to avenge yourself. I guess you. You should come into the gym. Or Jason Ellis. I want to come. We just have to figure out a date. My gym's not very far from you. Mm. Just pop over the hill. Let's go. It's a good place. There's a lot of other uh, people of means. Nobody's going to come in with the skin ring warmed up or anything like are that. you going to be shocked when you are not able to submit me because my strength is so much superior to yours because i've been taking creatine for two weeks i got news for you buddy and i'm really impressed you've been on creatine for two weeks <laughs> i respect your strength and now they're scaring me that it might give me kidney stones and that it's making me pee too much oh. and it's the reason why i have a dry mouth oh, yeah. i don't know it's gonna steal your libido it's gonna make you infertile but listen buddy is creatine related to decreased testosterone maybe table that but as the great uh carlos gracie said or maybe it was bj penn 
uh, or there, Carlos Maza. There are a lot. Of, maybe Carlos Maza said, it. said it too. There are a lot of strong arms, but there are no strong necks. Maybe it was. It sounds better, Carlos Gracie. A lot of strong army, bro, but there are no strong necks. So, which means I'm going to get my cross collar from Close Guard, Adam, mm. and you're going to see that that tunnel of consciousness. Tunnel of come. Mm, mm, I'm ready mm, for it. Mm, close I want. It. I want to know what that feels like. But also, there are. I'm going to rape you necks. after you go out. That, that would be great. I'm going to rape you in I, front of I, my I entire c- gym. I consider that part of the experience, and I'm not going to take it like Jason Ellis. I'm going to. I'm going to be enthusiastic about it. But well, you're going to be unconscious. So. I would be enthusiastic within the confines of my consciousness. Okay. Um, nice. But. It's, you were going to make a big point. You, I just said I was going to rape you, so it better be impactful. Oh, I, I think I was going to just say that. Um, no. Yeah, I don't remember. It started to feel like it was creeping back in, but then it just left. That's that, You know what that is? Intimidation. That's I described the choke. Time to end the podcast. Yeah, I'm scared for sure. No, but I, I want it. We got to line this up. Let's do it, dude. All right. All right, let's go. Coming soon. Sledge Lords. Sledge Lords. You like how I have like a. A style of just saying that name. I think it's good for branding. Slizzlers. You know, I, the, the Swedish dude who uh, wrote all the songs for all the pop stars like the 2000s, he said the way to start all of his songs is you got to have a real memorable thing. Like, he came up with the Britney Spears, because you hear that and you fucking like, oh, let's go to the dance floor. That's like the TikTokification, which already existed before even TikTok, of like creating this viral meme worthy thing in each song. And now you see where they like go very out of their way to like insert like a weird little noise in the song or just to create anything that they can that'll just make people latch onto it a little bit more. That's our sledge lords. Sledge lords.